0: The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier
1: podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea
2: is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do, and I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things.
0: Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the MJ Cast. It's Saturday, the 24th of September 2016. I'm Jamin Bull, and I'm here with Jason Garcia, host of the MJ Cast En Español. Unfortunately, Q is still away. He is moving house still and won't be back for another couple of episodes, unfortunately. But we've got a great co-host here today who's going to do a fantastic job. And we've got some uh, interesting news stories that we'll be covering today as well. We're going to talk all about how Kingvention 2016 went, the 3T weekend in Amsterdam recently, What's happening with MJ Backstage Magazine, the latest issue of Rogue Magazine, the Ghana president, John Mahana, giving a speech to the UN, including some great thoughts on Michael Jackson, a new book about history, and Brad Sundberg's upcoming In the Studio with MJ Shows. Our main discussion topic for this week is all about the songs, the Michael Jackson songs that we feel deserve more recognition. So welcome to episode 40 of the MJ cast. Jason, how are you doing?
3: Hey, Jamin. How are you doing? I'm pretty well. I'm really excited to start this episode. And what you said, I'm going to do a great job. Uh, Let's hope I can do that.
0: Of course, you're going to do a great job because you do a great (laughs) job of Espanol every couple of weeks. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> we try. We try our best. We're, we're improving every week. Where's your latest episode? It's been a while. Yeah, we have one more uh, ready to go. Uh, we're still in the you know production stages of it. But we talked about some news also that happened. And the main topic of the week was uh, the comparisons, the parallel lives that uh, Juan Gabriel, one of uh, Latin American most important... Singer songwriters has in common with Michael Jackson. They are both mega superstars, and uh, they both ve- lived very similar lives and went through a lot of the same similar things. So we examined all of these. It came out quite interesting. A lot of things we learned on that episode.
0: Yeah, I just wish I could understand it <laughs> so I could listen. <laughs> so I can't. I can't speak yeah. Spanish. But um, no, again, again, congratulations. Your show is doing really, really well. I've been looking at the stats, and uh, it's yeah, very, very strong. So, well done. How do you feel being a month in?
3: Well, yeah, very excited. Every time uh, we get to record with these girls, I'm really impressed on how much knowledge they have. I thought I had knowledge, but these girls really run me over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they are. They are really great. It's just, uh, it's very, very exciting. So, of course, listeners, if you want to subscribe to uh, the MJ Cast En Español, we do have a sister show. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's completely in Spanish, so you can jump on iTunes or... Or just just follow our show notes, and we'll have the links in there for you to uh, to sc- subscribe to that show as well. Yes, subscribe. Yeah, and uh, we we our recent show, I, I, we better do a little bit of follow up this time because <laughs> we did a recent show, my, the last episode, mm. episode thirty nine. It ended up being the the second longest show we've ever done. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was the longest regular show we've ever done. Or I, sh- should I say the longest show of original content? Because we did have a show that was slightly longer, the Christmas special for last year. But right. it was mainly made up of snippets from older episodes. So uh, this, this was a ginormous episode. I went into recording it thinking it would only be, you know, two to three hours like any other sort of show we do. But of course, when you have um, Charles Thompson and Samar of uh, the MJ Academia Project on the show... I, I just didn't think it would be that long, but it was massive. It was <laughs> they just ended up talking, 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 and uh, it was great. I mean, I love, I loved uh, all their insights and everything like that. And seeing the reaction of our listeners was was really quite interesting because we had whenever we do super long shows, it's the same thing every time. We always have like say seventy five percent to eighty percent of people more happy that the show's long. They'll mm-hmm. send us comments and say, "Oh, we love really long shows. You know, it's really good to get that much content." And then we always have a few people that just say, "Oh, it's too long. I can't. I can't get into, get into a show that long." Um, mm. So yeah, I I don't know. Like I just, it was a really long show. I really loved it. I hope you guys, you know, enjoyed it as well. Uh, but just know that's not the typical show length of, of what we do. If that was your first time, sort of listen. But the, <laughs> <laughs> the reaction has been phenomenal. And I, I, yeah, thank you to everybody who's replied and, and written in to us to say that they enjoyed the show uh, because it was, it was really fascinating to hear their insights. Did you, did you get a chance to listen to that one, Jason? Oh,
3: yes, I did. I actually, when I saw it on, the, on my app, I saw how long it was, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's gonna take me forever." <laughs> but then I still, I listened to you on the, on my, at work actually when I'm on my desk, and I just put it on. I started working, and the time just fly, fly, flew by really fast. So I was impressed. Uh, I thought my, my device was wrong, and it was skipping minutes. And I actually went back <laughs> to try to find what did I miss. But no, nope, everything was there, and uh, it's just, uh, it was
0: interesting. Those guys said, ah, "I'm very shy. I don't really want to talk." And then. What happened? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was out of control. And it honestly didn't feel like five hours when we were recording it. It just felt like I was recording any other regular episode, but the time Mm. sort of just flew by. It was so funny to see you now, Slack. App where we communicate all around the show. It was so funny mm-hmm. when that show first came out, I saw you say, It's five hours. Oh my God, what's happened since you left Q? You know, Javid's gone derailed right. or something.
3: <laughs> yeah, because I thought you you're doing whatever without Q taking advantage that he's not there to control
0: you. <laughs> yeah. So you just went crazy. Pretty much. Just I just went out of control, of it. no Q will be back so. soon. He's uh He's given me updates on how things are going. So, he's moved house. He's in his new house, loving it. Him and the husband are really enjoying the new place. And uh, they're just going to need a little bit longer to get their internet set up. The internet company that they're relying on is taking forever getting their internet installed. Uh, mm. So, it's it's still going to be, I think, another month or so before they have internet. So, I wouldn't expect Q back on the show until around episode 42 or 43, I'm guessing. Um mm. Probably, I would say, actually, episode 43. So, yeah, really looking forward to Q being back, but also excited that he's in his new place. I know it's killing him not having internet, because not only can he not record, of course, Q's sort of main job at the MJ cast is to look after all of our social media and communicate with listeners. And he can't even have a stable connection to be on uh, Twitter, which he loves, so... I feel very sorry Did for him. Did
3: he move into a mountain or something? <laughs> into a mountain. A cave? <laughs> yeah, bunker. Where is he living? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm pretty sure he'll uh, he'll be happy if I control you, so I'll try to keep this episode uh, within two hours.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be fine, I'm sure.
3: But if I don't do it, then, dude, I, we just got excited then.
0: We just got, and it's just you know what people (laughs) love long shows. So whatever, it's all good. It's all good.
3: Yeah, like we always try also to keep you know an hour, an hour and a half long for our episode in Spanish. Yeah, but like this last this last one, we just we recorded for three hours. I don't know how long it's gonna be after the production process, but. Uh, I think it's going to be quite long, and we did not expect that. And it also went away so fast. We were talking and got excited about We went all
0: over history tour to Dangerous Tour, and it was just nuts. So, <laughs> but that's the whole idea we, of our shows, are that they're just conversations that we record like we would have normally. So you can't really control. Like It's pretty easy to control how many news items end up being in the show. But yeah. in terms of just conversation, it's very hard to control that. So <laughs> yeah,
3: because it goes it goes everywhere. I I remember uh, I got really embarrassed because they started talking about how much they love the gold pants i'm like i, I don't know about uh, that i, I don't want to talk about uh, that <laughs> but they kept on talking about it <laughs> I'm like okay i guess so let's oh, just man. do one
0: special about the gold pants then <laughs> the gold pants brigade that's what we call them <laughs> the, they love it i've never understood it like see i've been on forums for a long time when i just started out being a Michael jackson fan and pretty much every female member of these forums so many of them like their signatures are just like wow. pictures of Michael in the gold pants. And man, does some of these things get explicit. Like I've seen, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen some of these things, man, but like there's no. slow, there's like, like GIF images on Instagram and Tumblr and stuff of like zoomed in gold <laughs> pants, crotch area, slow motion. And, and I don't, do you know that part of the history tour where Michael's doing like the pelvic thrusting in, um, the song oh what song is it is it in, in the, the closet, closet
4: or something like that <laughs> yes and it okay, zooms go.
0: right in and oh man you can see everything that's like yeah. why wouldn't he put like a cup or something
3: like a baseball cup you know oh man i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe he knew that like it's the this that's kind of thrusting people want to see oh my gosh well, yeah. Well, I I never seen those, you know, blogs or whatever. But uh, just hearing these ladies talk
0: about it in in the other podcast in Espanol, uh, yeah, I can
3: get. I, I understand
0: you how they get with those pants. Oh, I, I, it's just a bit of a face palm moment for me because it's like, I don't know. I I don't I don't watch Michael Jackson concerts to see his junk <laughs> going all I over watch, the place. Like <laughs> the dancing. You know, I'm all about the dancing. It's all, yeah, I know. It's a, but that's okay. I mean, everybody enjoys different aspects of Michael. And if it's the gold pants that you're into, that's all good. That's cool. We we, we love you okay, guys. Okay, that's fine with me. I just <laughs> get embarrassed, that's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, news. What's been happening recently in the world of Michael Jackson? A whole bunch of stuff has been happening. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, I think pretty recently there was like a the Kingvention thing happened right. in London.
3: Yes. That's very exciting.
0: Yeah, it was pretty pretty epic. And we know some people who actually went. There was uh, mm. Karen Merckx and Elizabeth Amasu from the Michael Jackson Academia Studies website. And of course, the Dream Lives On podcast, which we love. And they've submitted a bit of an audio segment talking about what happened. And we'll play that just a little bit later. Did you, mm. did you follow the news, Jason, around what was happening there?
3: Uh, I read a couple of articles, yes. And I'm actually going to... I want to know if they're going to tour with that or is it always going to be in London? Man, that would be so cool if they could go around the world with that. I would yeah, love that. Yeah, because it made me want to go and I'm like, I'm, I can't go to London. <laughs> so
0: what if they travel to the US or to Mexico or, you know? Yeah, exactly. Sure it'll sell. Like a touring thing, like, so, like what Brad Sunderberg does, but with right. a range of things, you know, like artistic installations or speakers and shops and oh, that would be so cool. I mean, they, since they're in Europe,
3: it's easy for them to do it, like, next year in Amsterdam and then, you know, try different ones because they're close by. It's easy. And if it works, then maybe go out of Europe.
0: Yeah, they could totally do something in um, in Europe. Like, Amsterdam are just crazy for the Jackson family. So, doing something over there would be phenomenal.
3: And they can try Spain to see how the Spanish-speaking people work and maybe then go to South America.
0: <laughs> and then to Mexico. Easy.
3: Hey! Yes, go to Mexico. <laughs> you know, Ali would be there. <laughs> absolutely,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it was a pretty cool sound and show. Like they had a bunch of things, like a choir, and um, yeah. you know, they had like the King of Shot where you could buy lots of Michael merchandise, and they had different presenters there, like Tom Russo, Yuko Samita Jackson, and Dan Beck. They that it sounded like they gave really great talks around their time, yeah, working yeah. with and you know for Michael Jackson right I think the the thing that's like surprised me the most like from what I've heard from people uh that went there the highlight in addition to the speakers the thing that people really enjoyed were what was happening on the show floor so of course there was Mike smallcomb there um Karen and Elizabeth from mm-hmm. um you know the dream lives on and they set up I mean this blew me away I was just totally floored by the fact that they set up I I didn't expect that they would set up like a podcasting booth there and do a live right. show from yeah. Kingvention. They did a live show from there? They did a live show. It's, it's. Oh, you wow. gotta listen. It's phenomenal. And they I haven't gotten to that one. I went in the morning of Kingvention, I was like, I saw um, them post like that they were going there and they were kind of doing live posting of their journey there. Uh, And then when they got there and they were putting out pictures of them in the dangerous mural and I thought, oh, this is really cool, this is really cool. But I didn't know at that time that they were going to do a live show there. And then they started, they had like a picture of them at their little booth with, um, you know, Elizabeth's book sitting there and they were just recording... It was right. phenomenal because they have the background noise from the convention. You can hear the participants like talking and mingling and getting around. And then over the top of it, they're actually doing a proper show. Like in, they've got guests <laughs> to convention coming over to their booth talking. And they, I just got to say, they just took it to another level. <laughs> wow! Like Jenkins wow. Jenkins from Moonwalk Talks did a similar kind of thing from the Jacksons. He went to like a Jacksons Concert. show. And he did a similar thing there, where he was kind of talking. He wasn't like obviously talking in the show. Uh, That that was kind of that was really cool. But I tell you what, in terms of documenting a live experience, Karen and Elizabeth just took it to the next level.
3: I got to listen to that. I I heard the one with Jenkins, but I got to listen to this one.
0: Yeah, this is this is, and this is not easy either. Like this is it is I mean, we put a lot of effort into getting our audio and everything sounding good, but it's it's not that difficult to do in a controlled environment like a home office. Right. When yeah. you're out on a show floor and there's like hundreds of people walking around you and you've got to get your mics right and make sure everything's recording. Oh my god. They just the did it with such speakers
3: class. the sound uh, with the speakers there they have also
0: maybe yeah, it's a yeah, problem yeah. sometimes. Ah, phenomenal stuff. So, well done Elizabeth and Karen. You just took MJ podcasting to a new level.
3: <laughs> yeah, you see my MJs everywhere. Ah, uh, and always uh, innovating.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I I'm so proud of them and I'm just I just really want to experience that sort of thing myself one day. It's really hard living out in like a rural area because I don't get to go to these things very often.
3: <laughs> but, yeah. Um,
0: Definitely, definitely, really
3: cool. That's how I felt when I used to live in Mexico. Like, I'm, I'm never gonna see anybody
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> but what's crazy is this stuff coming to Mexico soon. Yes, it is. But now I'm in the United States. <laughs> uh, that's right. You're in Houston. <laughs> no, think- even
3: within Mexico, it's big. It's a big country. I live in the north side, and everything happens in the south side. So.
0: Oh, really? I never travel like that. No. Where's Mexico City? Is that in the north or the south? It's in the in the central south. Center south, central south. So, you're like, so were you living in like a rural area in Mexico or? Uh, My city is very tiny uh, and the very north uh,
3: by the border with the US.
0: How come you decided to move to America?
3: Uh, Well, my brothers were living here with my uncle and then my parents wanted to have the family together. So, yeah, yeah. One of those Christmases, we came over for vacations and I never went back. (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> they hid this information from me I'm like, what? No, I got friends Yeah, yeah, yeah No, <laughs> no you gotta go to high school now I'm like, I don't even speak English
0: <laughs> We don't care <laughs> You gotta learn wow. It was hard It was very hard So you actually live like a very multicultural sort of life, don't you? So you're, you're from mm-hmm. South America You live in the United States now And your mm-hmm. wife is actually from Asia Correcto You're right, my friend that's really cool. So you, because you recently just went like on a holiday over to, to Vietnam, right? I went to Vietnam
3: uh, to meet, the, not to meet, but to see the family for the first time since I'm married.
5: Yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah.
3: Pretty good stuff.
0: Oh man, your your wedding photos. I just went through those the other week, and they are fantastic. <laughs> we had a blast. Yes, uh, I love how you guys like. Well, you're in costume, like looking like you're in like really traditional Vietnamese style uh, clothing. I oh, did that
3: the day before. Yes,
0: <laughs> really, really cool.
3: Yeah, everybody made fun of me, so you, you can go ahead and make fun. That's
0: fine. No, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great. I actually did the same thing for my wedding. Oh, You did the same thing? I haven't seen your pictures. Did you post any? They're on my Facebook. If you go back to my wedding photos oh. on Facebook, I'm in mean, like... I, I might check it out then. Yeah, traditional Chinese sort of clothing. We did we did like a photo shoot prior. We did... Uh, it's pretty typical in Chinese culture to, you know, do a separate wedding photo shoot six months to a right. year before the actual wedding. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was in like all kinds of traditional Chinese costumes and emperors' outfits and crazy stuff like that. It was it was a lot of fun doing it. I loved it.
3: We did that one too. We did some uh, pictures before the wedding, like a month before, two months before. But so my wife got the the traditional clothing uh, from Vietnam shipped yep. to America. I got it. I put it on. We went to the park. Took some took some really nice pictures. Uh, the only thing was the my gown. You call it gown. I don't know how to call it costume. Um, Costume sounds funny. <laughs> gown, I'm going to call it gown. Uh, they call it something in Vietnamese. I don't remember how they call it. But yeah. I put it on, but it's, it's yellow. And I don't know why they asked for yellow, but they asked for yellow. So when I show my friends a the picture, they make fun of me, like, you look like a minion. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> a minion. So I went back and I told, her, you know what? People are making fun of me. This is not going to be on the wall that day of the wedding. So we're going <laughs> to redo this. And so I had to borrow her uncle's gown the one he used at his wedding he's skinny so uh it fit perfectly with me
0: and that's the one I use that's the blue one that you see there. Oh that's (laughs) fantastic so you're telling me you've got a hidden photo shoot with you wearing gold pants? (laughs) No 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 not the gold pants the the gown the gown
3: (laughs) no the pants are black. (laughs) black. But I do have a, a hidden photo shoot that nobody has seen before actually. Wow. And, and the one for the one I used at the wedding that day, because uh, we printed a picture and put it at the wedding at the entrance. We, we were running out of time. And the day, night before, I'm like, well, we're not going to use the yellow one. And we need to take pictures with the blue one. <laughs> so I had to ask a friend that is be- a beginner photographer uh, to give me some time in his in his schedule to, to just shoot some pictures. I Just give me three pictures or something. He has a kind of like a homemade studio. Uh, we went there and he did it in a couple hours. He took a whole bunch of them and we picked one. And that's the one we used for that day. So it was a crazy experience, but... There you go. Those are the pictures. And they were done. Done. (laughs) I had to go to Walgreens and uh, print the last minute, you know, a big poster. And then go to the craft store and buy everything the night before.
0: It was nuts. I want to see these. I got to see these again. And, yeah, (laughs) mine are on my Facebook. But I actually made a video uh, for my wedding featuring all the wedding photos that I took with my wife. And Mm -hmm. set it to uh some music and i made like a short film of the history of our relationship with these photos as well and uh i put um i used this song i appreciate by 3t which yeah, is you one of my favorite 3t songs ever so i, sh- I want to see if i can show you guys that one day but we'll see we'll see you should uh, you can do it privately you don't have to put it online well they asked like <laughs> i put um i put a tweet out saying that i'd done that and then 3t got back to me and we're like oh we really want to see that so, um, <laughs> Awesomeness. yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see. I don't know yet. I mean, because there's a lot of photos of you know private photos in there, so who knows?
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't do any Michael related for my wedding. Um You didn't the, do the, like the,
0: dancing the, on the st- on the reception, or
3: the only thing celebrate celebration. No, are you ready for this? That song that's the one I used when I walked into the. Uh, reception hall and, and I was dancing while walking there and then when I got to the very front uh, I did the tap dancing and then I did a spin and then a pose and oh. that's all I did Michael Jackson related <laughs> that the sounds day. fantastic <laughs> but the com- the camera guy missed it so I'm really pissed oh. you can only see a little bit of it <laughs> oh well the guests the guests I'm sure you know enjoyed that oh we- yeah they all re- they clapped right away and yelled yeah of course
0: we didn't we didn't do a lot of that like I didn't do any dancing or anything like that I, would, you know Bit out of shape for that these days, (laughs) maybe when I was 17. (laughs) But we did, um, uh, when we were, because we had a big stage built like purposely for the wedding. So when we were, we had to walk on and off the stage and we had like a catwalk thing. We had to walk Mm -hmm. on and off that quite a few times to do costume changes. So a couple of times when we were walking off the stage and leaving the reception area, we had, I played ABC by the Jackson 5 Mm -hmm. and I had Speechless as well as our, that was kind of like our main wedding song.
3: Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty sweet. That I love that. Song. I
3: did the BGS.
0: Our main. <laughs> you had the BGS. I love
3: the BGS. Yes. Yeah, that's what I used. <laughs> and, and Michael recorded with with them, and and he loved them. So kind of related. <laughs> you always always find a Michael related thing if you look for it. Actually. Oh man,
0: that's the best part about being a Michael fan. You can you can you can somehow connect any unrelated strange thing to Michael Jackson. Right. Correct. Always find a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I've... Anyway, a bit off topic there, but... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Wedding Nothing cast. Much. Wedding cast, there you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Kingvention happened. It was really awesome. It was to honor Dangerous 25, the 20, you know the 25th year of Dangerous album. They did a great, great job. So, well done to all the folks who put on Kingvention. We can't wait for uh, 2017's Kingvention. It's very, very exciting. You guys are definitely setting the benchmark for uh, what it is to be a Michael Jackson convention. And we can't wait to see where you expand and, and how you make it even bigger. We'll cross now to an audio snippet uh, recorded by Elizabeth Amasu and Karen Merckx, giving a bit of a roundup of how Kingvention went.
6: Hello,
7: I'm Elizabeth Amissu. And I'm Karen Merckx. And we are from
6: Michael Jackson's Dreamless On, an Academic Conversation and the Journal of Michael Jackson Academic Studies. You can find us at www.michaeljacksonstudies.org. This year we went to Kingvention as the Journal of Michael Jackson Academic Studies and this segment is just to tell everyone at the MJ cast a little bit about our experience there. Now the Kingvention um, is Europe's biggest Michael Jackson convention and it took place in Victoria in London at the Park Plaza Hotel. Now this year marks the 25th anniversary of Michael Jackson's Dangerous Dangerous album and so as a result the entire event was completely Dangerous themed which was amazing Um, we were we were really fortunate to be able to access every part of the convention except from the speakers. But we're going to tell you a little bit about the speakers as well and um, about our experience there too. So we just start from the beginning. You walk into the Kingvention convention and the first thing you see is a massive, absolutely massive pop-up Michael Jackson's Dangerous Cover. Yeah. And you actually had to walk through it in order to um to get into the convention which was absolutely amazing we have some pictures um that will that jamie and q will put on their site a link to their site to tell you to show you what the pictures look like but it was just amazing wasn't it karen yeah it was amazing i've never seen anything
7: like it and um well it was an attraction for everyone and um when you walked through it you came into an exhibition there were collections
6: collections huh? Yeah so the, the the way the convention event was set up was that there was like four different sections. The first was black or white which was a section where the, the speakers in like an auditorium spoke and there were live interviews with Yuko Sumida Jackson, Tom Russo and Dan Beck and there was also a live Q&A with a special guest Jonathan Morrish, which Everyone, you know, everyone we spoke to there said that the, the, the speakers were absolutely amazing. And these are all people who had worked with Michael Jackson in their career, which was really, really cool. And then the second section was called Remember the Time. And that's the exhibition, Karen, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell us a little bit about some of the exhibition, um how the exhibition was set up. Let's paint a bit of a picture for people.
7: Um Well, you came in and you had... Um... There was a massive exhibition about uh, a smooth criminal and how it was shot. And Moonwalker, you could see um, uh, storyboards and um, uh, prints of the story itself. Unfortunately, we were not allowed to make photographs of that. Uh, (laughs) And um, there was in the middle, there was um, a section where you could take a photograph of yourself with, uh, or they photographed you. There was a section that was completely devoted to dangerous, amazing. This was a complete collection of all albums that came out, all kind of types of, it's amazing. Posters, um, uh, the, the pop-up. And there was this um, uh, woman from Holland and she makes gorgeous Michael Jackson Um, clothing his costumes she really is able to make those costumes miniature and she has a doll so we saw uh, several types of um, Michael Jackson standing there in his uh, in his costumes and it was really amazing you've seen that too yeah
6: like I wanted to just tell people a bit more about the speakers because I didn't give them enough I think you Samita Jackson, you may um she you know, I remember seeing her there because she was with, with where we were at the exhibition table for a mm. while and she was really gorgeous and I remember looking at her thinking, I know this face and it's she's the lady in the black or white short film when they do like the morphing sequence. Mm. That's her. Ah. So yeah, and so she was also one of the principal, she was a principal female dancer on the Dangerous tour as well. Mm. She was Michael's principal female dancer. Now Tom Russo, he was a technical director for the Dangerous album. hmm And he came to speak as well. And Dan Beck, um, um, he worked with Michael Jackson on, on Dangerous and History, um, doing like sales and marketing with Sony music. Mm-hmm. And um, he went on, like, product releasing and marketing efforts for Michael throughout Michael's dangerous history period. And John Jonathan Morish, um was um, working closely with Michael um, and uh, Sony Music for about 20 years. So the discussions with these people were, about, basically, they were very much connected to Michael in terms of um, Michael's, like, career in terms of, like, his... His management of his like no. uh, music and marketing, marketing program and except,
7: stuff. Except from, uh, but uh, Yuko and Tom were yeah.
6: more like um, you know artistic collaborators, yeah. Yeah. and in the other two. So that was a nice, um, that was a nice experience. You know, didn't, you know, for a lot of people that came there. But as exhibitors, we were there all day exhibiting as the dream lives on and um, so we didn't get to attend the speeches but a lot of people go to convention and don't bother with the speeches so no, no. It, it's a, and there's tickets that you don't have to you, you pay a lot less so you don't have to see the speeches A lot there's so much going on there that you don't need you don't need to to, to, to see the speech to see the talks do no, you no. um, to have an amazing time yeah. so Karen was saying about the um, exhibition yeah. and oh my yeah. god like I can only describe it to you we're not allowed to take photographs no. so It was an exhibition. If you go to art galleries, if you're a big fan of going to art galleries and museums, I know we are, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because as academics, we can't get enough of that stuff. It really was out they they created this amazing you know exhibition space that looked like a gallery. I forgot
7: the photos of Michael Michael from this from the screen period. Wow. These are
6: the Stephen Paul Whitfit collection Mm. and um, Stephen Paul it was a photographer, which was Michael's personal photographer between ninety four and ninety six, and there were these giant. What were they? Karen like A one size yeah, yeah. photo prints yeah. of Michael, and these are pictures from you know the the, the set. Yeah, you know the set of childhood yeah. and the set of a uh, sc- uh, scream, and there was. But there were these pictures, you just ne- images you'd never seen before. Yeah. They were yeah. so beautiful. They were absolutely gorgeous, and. You know, the kind of photographs that you could... You know, I remember I saw one of Michael in a military jacket that you don't see him in often. It looks a little bit like the Leave Me Alone military jacket. Mm -hmm. And he's looking at the camera, and he just looks so vulnerable. It's such a, like, naked picture. Like, you see the man behind the celebrity or the star. Because the way the photograph was taken was it wasn't really taken, like, a stylized, you know... He wasn't really on being Michael Jackson. He was just being Michael. And it, there was just some beautiful photographs. And then, obviously, there was my particular favourite in the Remember to the Time mm. exhibition. Mm-hmm. was the making mm-hmm. of Moonwalker exhibition yep. section. Yep. Oh, they had everything. Storyboards, scripts. And this is original storyboards, yep. original yep. scripts, yep. original yep. memorabilia and posters. Yep. Um like, I was reading through some of the memorabilia and there was literally, like, you could see, like, the phone numbers of all the agents of the cast members. And what I loved the most about it, because I am a filmmaker and I'm a playwright, so I know about, you know, cast and crew mm-hmm. and technical direction and direction and stuff. And it just seemed so normal. You know, like, there's such a normal film going. If you ever work anywhere, like, um, Ealing Studios or Leavesden or whatever, um... Then you know that it's just like filmmaking is not very glamorous or sexy from the inside. No, 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 It's very like mundane, and it was no. just you know Michael's signature. He, you know, on on stuff, just like yeah, I'm signing off to say oh, yeah, I'll do that. Mm. And I just loved this like it was physical pieces of Moonwalker that we'd never seen before. Like one of my favourites because as a filmmaker myself, as um, I write screenplays and I write TV shows and stuff, so. As a as a filmmaker myself and seeing like original treatments for Moonwalker is <laughs> so good. Like to read, you know, the treatment long before the um, the final product. And we had so many cool pieces of Moonwalker there that were just fascinating. Also the animals. Stuffed animals. No, that was for so there was another exhibition called Captain E.O. Yeah. Page yep. to screen. Yep. And that was a completely different side. Yep. And again, you got like the the, the the deep, you know, almost like you know, it's just an academic's dream, you know, to someone who's a Michael scholar. It's their dream because, you know, we don't have Michael Jackson exhibitions. Mm. Which we should. We should totally have those. We should have the Museum of Michael Jackson studies. That should so be a thing. And um, it's not, but in convention it was. So the Captain Eo exhibition had like some of the stuffed animals, um, you know, and it had like again treatments and storyboards and there was um the Michael Jackson dolls by Mary mm-hmm. van der Heyen. Mm. It's a Dutch I, a Dutch woman. Yeah. Who who um wow they were just amazing. You know, her her dolls of Michael were Kitted out in the most beautiful uh, costumes. Yeah. yeah, she designs, she, she creates the costumes. Yeah, and she also spoke to Michael Bush, who was. I don't know about her speaking impressed. to Michael Bush, but I saw her creativity. Yeah, and, it was and that was amazing. Yeah. Because if you have the yeah. King of Style, this lady, Mary, Mary van der Heijen, she, she's amazing. She literally, these dolls yeah. are dressed yeah. in exactly the same clothing as Michael Jackson and they are really beautifully painted and so they were just remarkable and Karen said about the dangerous collection um you know with with everything just everything like <laughs> oh, every yeah. like different yeah. types of tapes and yeah. different types of records and vinyl yeah. and bigger and smaller and everything dangerous from the time posters from the dangerous world tour scarves bags like i saw a dangerous like bag mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the... yeah. and then obviously there was the
7: king of shop yeah and that was amazing long table and um, in the beginning when we were there you have to, to set up your, uh, your your own exhibition and we had a, a, a fantastic place there two big tables and um, they were really they covered almost the length of the whole uh, room we had and people came in and they immediately flocked to that table because they have so much merchandise T-shirts, books, puzzles, the dangerous puzzle, um, 5,000 pieces or something. And on the, on the other side was Mike Smallcomb with his books. And um, there was a painter who is a fine artist who paint, uh, painted uh, Smooth Criminal.
6: I don't know his name you have his, his name Daniel Brooks. so yeah so yeah. as Karen was saying like there was, on the one side there was um, The King of Shop which is this amazing massive absolutely massive Michael Jackson merchandise and books and everything shop no. that is just the kind of everybody who we met at our, ex- at our exhibition table just flopped to this flopped to, to they just no. had like so much bags of shopping <laughs> And um, I think some people broke the bank that day. Mm. And even I saw some books on memorabilia that I'd never seen before that are kind of exclusive to MJ Vibe and Key convention that I just had to stop myself. Like, I was like, I really wanted that. And I was like, don't buy too much here. No. And, um, and obviously, last but not least was the exhibitors. And there were so many fantastic exhibitors as we were exhibitors. And we had so much positive responses from people. There are so many Michael Jackson fans that are really, really pleased and joyful and communicative about what we do and want to be part of the conversation. And it was so lovely to meet people. And we had guests and students and people from abroad that have been with the journal and done our courses. And they were coming up to us and it was like, really was like coming home to be with the community. Yeah. Yeah, Um, and the family and obviously people come up and go where's the dangerous philosophy yeah. and it wasn't I didn't we didn't have it yet so I was like I'm sorry take this free stuff <laughs> and then I'll see you online and it was really fun and the other exhibitors were brilliant a guy called Daniel Brooks had his art there there was the um ultimate collector book series there was my my book and the journal there was an um, iconic magazine um there was um, Mike Smallcombe with his Making Michael book signing. And he did, had a great, great day. Uh, mm. People just flocking yeah. to that table. It was so yeah. nice to see. And he had a, a beautiful frame, I
7: think, with the portrait in it. Mm-hmm. And it was sold. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And it was gone. And, uh, so people really... But what struck me most was this positive energy. Such a positive energy. Everyone was smiling and laughing, and um, it was a, a very, very good energy. There was unity in that in that uh, convention, and uh, we had several people at the table. Liz already said uh, students and a fan. You can hear that in our podcast. Um, and later we talked to uh, to a man who wanted to know everything. So we ended up almost giving lecture uh, at the table when other people were to the speakers. Uh, he was there because he didn't go to speakers and he wanted to know everything uh, about Michael Jackson. And um,
6: yeah, it was an amazing experience. So in a word, I was like, we were, I were, just, we were just left really spellbound by the day. I think the team at Kingvention and Sebastian Mill and everyone just did such a wonderful job. And I really, really hope that Kingvention comes back next year yeah. so we can all go back again and go bigger. <laughs> it was so much fun. And um, yeah, it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I just hope we can be, you know, the MJ cast can be there next year. And I hope that Kingvention runs next year and then we yeah. can all be there together, like the podcast we make one big podcast, one massive podcast yeah. community there because so many people, so many of the listeners of MJ Carson Dream Lives On and Jenkins Moonwalk Talks were there and they it was just lovely. It was a really beautiful, beautiful day and it stands out to me as like the most wonderful experience i've ever had working with the michael jackson community because as an as an author i never imagined i would ever be working with the community because academics don't usually do that they just we just write our books and do our research and sit in libraries (laughs) (laughs) sit in libraries and and, uh, struggle struggle and now you know it's kind of been inducted into this beautiful massive global family which is amazing
0: yeah
6: it was amazing okay guys thank you for love
0: well, thank you very much, Elizabeth and Karen. Really appreciate that submission, the roundup of Kingvention. Uh, guys, Elizabeth and Karen also put out a fantastic Michael Jackson podcast. You can subscribe to that. Just follow the show notes. We've got links to their show in our show notes. Uh, basically, you can just search The Dream Lives On on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. Really, really great show. Love the photo, by the way, of of those two just outside the in front of the dangerous mural at Kingvention. That's one of the best... Best fan photos I've ever seen, and it's it's stunning. You guys look really great together. So awesome shot!
3: Well, it's easy when you have an amazing mural like that. I saw it, and I'm like, that reminded me of uh, the one that Michael released. You know, he released one one something like that. Uh, I think it was an LP. You opened oh, up and the oh pop up one. like that. Yeah, and it reminded me of that. Even though they didn't describe it like that, uh, but. That's what it reminded me of. It was pretty cool. And I actually don't have that item. So if anybody listening wants to, you know, give me a present, I would love to have (laughs) the ergonomic. I don't know how you call it. There's a special word. Michael Jackson saw one of the fans with it and he wanted Michael to sign it. And Michael grabbed and he's like, oh, there's not many of these around. (laughs) Michael knew there's not many of those. So they're rare
0: they're very very rare and i'm sure like a bunch of our listeners have them but they i've only ever seen one in my lifetime uh, i went to you have seen it wow. yeah i've seen it in real life though i didn't own one but there was a a lady who lived in north brisbane just kind of close to where i lived and i remember that we went to i went to see this 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 is it premiere with her and her i think niece or something or granddaughter um and yeah we went to a house to pick her up to go to the to, to the um To the show, and she showed me it, and was like, "I was like, wow, this is absolutely amazing, stunning. I I love it. I really wish I could own one one day, but as you say, they're very, very rare. Yep, and expensive. I'm waiting for my copy. Yes, (laughs) there you go, listeners. If you want to buy Jason a present, dangerous pop up.
3: (laughs) Yeah, just let me know the MJ cast at (laughs) iCloud.com.
0: Oh man, you're really uh, shameless, aren't you? With this,
3: (laughs) I want one. That's all.
4: to the window, was a sound of a crescendo, as she came into a apartment, there were blood stains on the carpet, she went underneath the, the table. table, you could see she was able table. so she went into the bedroom, she was struck down, it was her doom. Bell Smith Jr. and thanks so much for joining us on the MJ
0: cast. So recently, last weekend actually there was a really special weekend for Jackson's fans. Uh, Mm -hmm. 3T, Michael's nephews, Taj, Tarrell and TJ, Tito Jackson's sons, uh, went to Amsterdam and they go there a lot. Like they're very, very popular in Amsterdam. In fact, the whole Jackson family really is. That country has really uh, shown the Jackson family a lot of love over the years. And 3T traveled there and did two concerts, Uh, actually a bunch of things. They did two sort of official full length shows and then some other performances as well and some radio interviews. And what a weekend. I tell you what, if you were living in Europe or Amsterdam during that weekend, that was like, that was the weekend for Jackson family fans and 3T fans. Their first concert was uh, the Up Close and Personal gig that uh, by all accounts was absolutely fantastic. We know people that were actually there. So um, uh, Yannicka of Jackson Source was there, Christophe Charlot of MJ Backstage Magazine was there, and everyone that I've spoken to said it was a fantastic gig. And then the next day, after they did that concert, they did another one called The Celebration of Chapter 3, which was just all around their amazing latest album, Chapter 3 and man i've seen some video footage of their performances we'll put some in the show notes as well and what what really blew me away every time i see 3t or well, footage of 3t perform because i've never seen them perform in real life that'll happen one day <laughs> um, every single time i see them that the vocal quality their their ability to to perform their songs is just top notch it's um there's i just there's no you know, bum notes or anything like that. They're just really, really high quality sort of performers. It sounds like there's one one that they did was like, I can't remember, it was like on a talk show or something, some kind of talk show. And um, they did a performance. It's like a medley of a few of their songs. It started with uh, I Need You and then Anything. And it sounds like you're listening to a record. That's how good the vocal... It's not playback. It's not, it's not lip synced, but it sounds like you are listening to a studio recording. They are—they blew me away. Very, very jealous of anyone who got to go. I can't wait for him to come to Australia. So, yeah, well done, 3T.
3: And they also sung a little bit of uh, Michael Jackson songs, right? A couple of them, I think. Like they, were, they posted some videos on YouTube, snippets of, of them singing them.
0: I saw um, some footage of them singing, I think it was Human Nature, might have been. Yeah. I um, think so. But really incredible. Like, I love how they honor. This is the thing I love about 3T as well. Like, they've got their own... You know, incredible catalog of hits and great songs that they could just they could just do a concert just from them easily, but they always honor their family right. somehow in in really classy ways. Like they you know, they might just be it might be a little touch on their costuming. They might you know Taj might have like a little um, sequined armband on, or they might just do right. an MJ yeah. song here or there, or they might do a Jackson's thing. You know, like they're just really they just not only do they have their own great stuff, but they always honor the roots and the history of their own family because they, they are, they are the Jacksons. So, right, mm, very, very special. And I hope, you know, the only thing with 3T is like, I just feel like their their talent is so immense that I just want them to show it off more. Like I want them, I, I, I mean, of course they have their own families and all of this stuff going on in their lives behind the scenes, but man, they should just tour, like tour the world, you know, do a world tour. I'd love to see them in Australia. Yeah. I don't know. Come on, <laughs> get that talent out there and let us all see it. <laughs>
3: well, so, they're busy. They're busy guys. They're very it's busy. So I appreciate them all. I the three of them it. together. <laughs> yeah,
0: hard. that's right. But if they could, man, just if they could just come to Australia, just, I just, I don't know. I'm so hungry to see a Jackson perform. <laughs> like I obviously never got to see Michael perform and Janet's tours, you know, kind of put on hold at the moment, obviously for very. Have you seen Janet though? I've never seen Janet. I've never seen any of the oh Jacksons. My. Before Nobody. Online. I
3: I I saw Janet at the rodeo here in Texas. Really, she came over. Uh, I, I have the video actually. It's on my Facebook. You should take a look. Hang on, on. you saw uh, her where? Hmm.
0: Well, you said you saw her at the rodeo.
3: <laughs> yeah, the Houston rodeo is very famous in in, in in Texas. In Houston, like a
0: what do you mean? Like a rodeo? Like like. People riding yeah,
3: bulls and stuff. It's around. like a festival. Yeah, they do that. They they ride the horses, and that's the main festival inside the stadium. But outside, you know, they have the games and oh. all the food is out there, and kind of everything. So she performed there, and she performed sometimes. You know, the first you have the the cows uh, or the the bulls, the horses riding the some kids. Some kids ride some sheep, and whoever wins. You know, they get a prize, all of that, and then by nine thirty-ish, then ten, then the main act comes out, and it's always a singer. It could be a uh, Hispanic music, it could be rap, it could be actual country. And for that night, the main the main act was Janet Jackson.
0: Oh my God! Okay, so what year was this? When was this?
3: Oh, that was like four, or five years ago, I think. Yeah, the only reason I went because I don't, I don't really know much of her music, but. Well, of course, she's Michael's sister. So I'm like, I want to see a Jackson, right? I want to see a Jackson. So I went, I bought my tickets. I have no idea what I'm doing there, but I'm there. And and, and now she sings. Man, she has presence. Believe me. She got me. Like with her presence on the stage, she can dance. She has no fear. And then, of course, my gift, she sang Scream. So that was Awesome. And yeah, you can you can watch it on my Facebook. I I could put a link on the show notes uh for that video. It's yes, please. Stuff.
0: I'm so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: But and now I feel I but I feel bad because I couldn't enjoy the other songs. I didn't really know them. Uh, the only one I enjoyed was that one. So but okay. It was a good concert for her. Just seeing her dance, it kind of reminded me of Michael, of course. They have a lot of the same moves.
0: Yeah, I mean the family just is so talented in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll cross now to uh, an audio snippet from Christophe Charlot, editor of the MJ Backstage magazine and also the author of Travelling with a King, one of the best Michael Jackson books out there. If you don't know about what it is, it's a fantastic book uh, that basically is a travel guide related to Michael Jackson, kind of like Lonely Planet, and uh, you get to travel around the world and visit all great Michael Jackson locations, uh, courtesy of Christophe's fantastic book. Uh, Travelling with the King. So let's have a listen now to his experiences seeing 3T live in Amsterdam for the 3T weekend.
8: Hey guys, this is Christophe. I'm a Belgian fan of the Jacksons. I'm the editor-in-chief of the MJ Backstage magazine and author of Travelling with the King, the first ever travel guide about Michael Jackson. I'm here taking the microphone for the MJ cast to talk about 3T and the 3T weekend in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Um, I had the chance to assist to most of the events, so I'm here and very happy uh, to talk about the treaty in Amsterdam for you. Uh, I will make a review of the weekend and the different events. So, all things began on Friday for a a dinner with the treaty. I wasn't able to assist to to this event, but um, a few fans reported me that the, the, the guys were really cool, fans were there to to eat and to enjoy a meal and treaty came entered the, the, the entrance and uh, they, they took really great time with the fans talking with the fans uh, taking pictures having fun talking they were v- re- very very close very very friendly and really really relaxed so it was really cool for for people who, who were uh, able to assist and then in the in the afternoon, there was another great moment. It was the first sound check um A few fans were able to assist to the sound check in front uh, of treaty. The treaty were already on stage when when everything began um the guys uh, made uh, four, uh about four or five songs, so in front of the fans, they were um talking together, talking with the band. Uh, being sure that everything was okay for the show of of the of the of the evening, um, but they also took time to go in the audience to be sure that the sound was good and um, to to talk and, and take a few pictures with the fans. At the moment, Tyrell also accepted to to take pictures with some fans, and it it was really funny to see because all the brothers were on the stage and Taril was in the in the audience taking a pictures and Taj and Tiji were waiting for him, so it was funny to see. And then um after that uh, they, they they took a, a a moment to go backstage to rest and to be ready for the, the show. They they meet some people there, some fans for a backstage access. Uh, but they, they really had uh, two or three hours rest just before their show of the evening. The show was called Up Close and Personal, um, and the show when the show began really it was it was really Up Close and Personal. It was not a, a very big, uh, very big venue, but uh, there was a lot of people anyway. Uh, Treaty went on the stage, and it was really great for the fans because uh, fans who uh, didn't have the chance to see the the the, the guys uh, for a concert in many years. Uh, a a really tricky concert, so it was like a true comeback. Uh, So, I have to confess that a lot of girls uh, went crazy. (laughs) They went really crazy when when Taj, Tarin and TG went on stage. Uh, It was just like in the Brotherhood area, because uh, the girls were crying, the girls were shouting, and it, it was funny to see uh the guys uh sung their, their biggest hits like Anything, Why I Need You, Stuck On You, and really, really much more uh, of their very famous tracks. Um, but they also uh, uh they, they also performed songs of their just released new album, Chapter 3. For example, the, the, the really great song Fire with, with Taril on the microphone. Um and it was really a wonderful time to see treaty back on stage. Um, and it, what was really personal and very close, it was also the fact that they, they don't made any choreography. The focus was really on music. Um, and that was great that they focused only on, on, on music, because it was great to hear their, their new song taking live in a concert, in a show. That was really amazing, really, really great Um, and there was also uh, a lot of emotions between between a few tracks because of course between tracks the the guys took the the microphone to talk uh, about about different things about the songs about life uh, with with the fans Um, and there was some emotion for example when they when they talk about their mother uh, and also the support of the the, their uncle michael jackson Um, so that was really emotional uh, for the fans, but also for the guys and the crew, um, was was a great time. Tash uh, Tarin and T G also made a few covers, like uh, a Jackson Medley or a cover of the Boys to Men. Uh, it was really a nearly two hours show, and that was this was great. They 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 really did a great job on stage. It was I think they are really really ready to to go on tour. Uh, hopefully they will and um after the show treaty took uh, another time to to meet some fans backstage like after every show um it seems they were really relaxed um really really friendly and really happy to meet their fans again so that was great and on the second day th- there was also some uh, activity some events um they they planned to have uh, another show uh, it was not uh, a traditional show. It was in a very small and great venue called uh, the Milky Way in Amsterdam, and uh, the the event was celebration of Chapter Three. So it was a celebration of their the new released album, Chapter Three, um, and of course they made a sound check for uh, in front of some VIP package fans. Uh, who had a great time and it was really close uh, to the guys and see how they work uh, to see how they interact with the crew Uh, for example uh, TG came in the audience talked with the fans and to be sure that the sound was good so uh, this was was great they they made a few a few tracks like for example fire from chapter 3 and other uh, other uh, other of the tracks um, after the, the sound check, they took a long, long, long time with the fans uh, for a meet-and-greet. They took pictures, they, they made some autographs, they were talking a lot with the fans, they were really, really ready to take time, um, which was great. Uh, all the fans, about 50 fans was there, uh, and they were talking, giving gifts to the guys, um, and there was relax, relaxed, great, great, great atmosphere. Then after that, there was the show in the evening, and I must confess I wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, I wasn't supposed to assist to the show because I, I had to travel back to Belgium. But 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 as I was in Amsterdam, I really couldn't as, uh, resist to be to be there anyway. So I I stayed uh, a few hours l- later to to be able to to see this uh, this show, which we uh, was announced to be very special. And indeed it was, uh, because I really do not regret uh, to, to to stay there. And I think the show, the celebration of chapter 3 was still better than the, the previous show. I mean, it was very very special experience. The guys were uh, talking about how they recorded their, their songs. Um, they, they were talking about the meaning of each track. They were talking about uh, their life. About uh, issue, it was very, very, very personal. Uh, I mean, maybe more personal than the the, the previous show. Um, they explain how they, they recorded tracks, how it was difficult sometimes, how they decided the name of the tracks. So um, and I I have a, a an example of a a small uh, explanation of uh, the 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 song Sugar. Here it is.
9: You know what's funny? Before I did it, and I remember we were meeting with a lot of big producers and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis came to the house to to meet with us to hear what we had because we were thinking about doing music with them. And they loved Sugar. They loved it so much. Um, We never got to do it with them, but that would have been amazing. um, We've always liked Sugar. It's always been an upbeat, fun song that we like.
4: Jimmy John Terluso produced the ton of songs for Janet yes, yeah. That was actually, yeah, that meeting was before the All For You album. Oh wow! So that tells you how old Sugar was wow. before that. Yeah.
9: And then afterwards, you have Maroon Five sing about Sugar. You thinking, come on. So yeah, I, I think it was last year Sugar came out by Maroon Five, and as a writer, you get that feeling like we you're hoping. A song doesn't come out called Sugar because you think it's a cool song and i didn't know of a song called Sugar prior to ours yeah. and then Room 5 has a huge hit called Sugar so it just, wow. takes, it just like takes the rug out of wow. it so. but you know you can't change the name
4: yeah um uh, but do you guys have like a certain method when it comes to like working on records like do you throw up an idea and just Terrell throw it back or sometimes you like let's do this
9: well for Sugar turtle yeah. started that I did with the guitar riff, right? That was in your computer. But then, I think you gave up on that song, and then I was on his computer, and I heard it completely different. So like, where he heard the one and two, I heard it as the three and four, so it flipped the song, which is the way I yeah, down found yeah. it, and I was feeling around what wow. he did, but we heard it different.
4: Wow. But let us, it. just listen to a piece of sugar. You want to listen to a piece of sugar?
9: Because
4: normally, you're at home listening to Music.
8: You- so as you see the guys were uh, talking a lot explaining there was really interaction with the audience because the fans were able to to ask questions to the guys during the show that was really special uh fernando the guy who presented the show uh, was there to, to to moderate and to to ask people to the, the question and the guys' the treaty were answering them, so it was really interactive, really really special. I mean probably there was the first time a Jackson group or a Jackson member made such kind of uh, such kind of show, so really really great, really great experience. Uh, they were talking about life, about their personal issues, about the family um and i really hope the guy will do the the guys treaty will do the, some some kind of show uh like this in the next future maybe on a tour uh, i really hope they will come back with such kind of uh, of events um and uh, after the show after the show um the guys had to return but they accepted to to make a, a short interview with me uh, to to talk about uh uh, about about the music, about uh, a few kind of uh, about their new album, their comeback. It was great, and uh, I had really really great pleasure to to meet Taj, Tarin, and T G again for the MJ Backstage Magazine. Um, and I have to say they, they are always kind, friendly, grateful for the fans. Uh, really really great great time. Uh, then uh, after that they left the next day to the United States of America. Go back to their home with their family, uh, but here in Europe, as probably everywhere in the world, uh, all the fans are already waiting for them, and we are waiting to come back for the new show and new music, probably. So I'm probably sure that treaty are really back, and that we will hear some new stuff from them very, very soon. Thank you very much to all the the listener to uh, MG Cast and. Thank you, Crew, for asking me to to make this review.
4: Music is everything to me. I love the fact that you can write something, create something, and it can affect people, it can bring happiness, it can bring joy, it can inspire, it can change the world. That's why I love it. it I work day and night, night and day that's what it takes. I'm excited for this journey. So in this series, I invite you to follow me all around the world and get to know me as I set out to hit the main stage. Take care of each
9: other and remember, always believe.
7: Hi, this is Diana Walzak, sculptor of the Michael Jackson history statue. And you're listening to the MJ cast.
0: So there we go. Hope you enjoyed that little roundup from Christophe Charlot of MJ Backstage and Travelling with the King. Thank you, Christophe.
3: Well, actually, Christopher, Charlotte, and the people from MJ Backstage are releasing one mag- one more magazine of Michael Jackson and the Jackson family, I think, with uh, pictures and information, interviews and all that kind of stuff that is coming out in November. And according to his blog post, uh, it's going to be the last one that they were releasing consecutively, but now they're going to kind of stop that uh, because, you know, digital trends and all this and that, it's, it's, not, it's not as easy to release a magazine in print anymore, but... Uh, he says that they will continue to do so, but just uh, longer times, longer intervals between the releases. He will let people know. He will still be active. The website will be still active, and people will be able to access it for information uh, even more now. Um, but Just the Magazine is going to kind of stop a little bit, but he'll still be there. It's hard to know exactly what he's saying and everything because he published in French, and I don't speak French. So, But I will try to translate it with... Uh, translator i hope i translated correctly so christoph <laughs> if i said anything wrong i'm sorry it's just uh google blame google
0: <laughs> yeah i definitely fell into that trap a little bit as well i, I saw their post and i put it into google translate and <laughs> yeah. the way that it interpreted the information it, it really made it sort of sound like that they were stopping the magazine yes. in general got, i got scared um, yeah, so I I made a post like on all of our MJ Cars networks. I was like, hey, you know, thanks Christoph for everything you've done, and you know, it's kind of sad to see the the magazine stopping, but really. And then I spoke to him last night on um, Twitter DM, and I'm like, hey, dude, sorry to hear that it's all finishing. He was like, no, no, we're not we're not finishing. We're we will still continue to put the print magazine out. It's just going to be rarely and sort of irregular compared to doing once every year yeah it's like oh my god i just made this post saying that you're stopping i felt really really bad so i'm gonna go back and edit those posts and, and try to soften it a little bit <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah well it was quite dramatic in the beginning of the blog so i fell for it too mm-hmm.
0: yeah i thought it was it's it was really wrapping up totally yeah, um me too. I, I knew that he was going to continue doing the website thing and transition more into digital but uh, yeah, so apologies, Christoph, for uh, not not interpreting that information correctly. <laughs> Please write in English <laughs> or Spanish. <laughs> but he's great. Uh, he's great. He's, he does really well speaking English. He's been on the show before. We did a special with him oh. uh, last year. So he's he's great at communicating in English. But of course, his main audience is French. So I see. I see. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So another in ter- talking about magazines. I understand there's another one coming out soon to do with Michael Jackson.
3: Yeah, the latest issue of Rogue Magazine is going to feature some unpublished images of Michael Jackson. Uh, I don't know which one they are. I don't know to which era they belong to. But I think it's going to be interesting. They don't say much on the website. Uh, They just show a picture of Michael dancing uh, Billie Jean and under the spotlight. Really nice. Um, But that's all I've seen, really. Do you know anything about what era they're going to publish? or?
0: Yeah, I know a little bit. So they're not—they're not actually a magazine to do specifically with Michael Jackson. They're at, in general, sort of like an entertainment magazine. Great though, and, and different singers, right? Yeah, they talk about different actors and singers and and different people in the entertainment industry. Um, and what they've done is that they're going to release this cover story on Michael Jackson. Right. And you can buy the magazine, this particular issue. You can buy it actually with alternate sort of different covers, and one of the covers is is Michael. And they have, I think, it's around an eleven-page story on michael jackson and the the thing that's really selling this is that it's meant to have a range of never before seen photos of michael Mm. and and somehow the website says that it's actually got videos so i'm guessing that that must be the digital only sort of version that has the, the videos in there yeah um yeah but it's a part of an interview with uh michael one of michael jackson's personal photographers who traveled the world with Michael and and I'm just guessing here, I don't know who which photographer it actually is, but I'm guessing it's hamid Moslehi because they the image on the cover looks very much like in the style of what Hamid captured uh for Michael when he was working for Michael. And I also know that he was not only just Michael's photographer, but he took a lot of video as well of Michael.
9: Oh right. Um
0: yeah, so this this is the guy. This is somebody that I've wanted to talk to for a very long time and I'd love one day to actually do a special episode with him, interviewing him, because Michael it employed him specifically to travel around the world documenting his life for quite a long period of time. Do, do you remember the 30th anniversary show, Um, like the, recently last year, there was some sort of photos that leaked of the rehearsals during that show?
3: I've seen videos that leaked, but not photos.
0: There's some great photos of Michael rehearsing the way you make me feel wearing totally different clothes to what he wore actually on the show. Oh, wow. And uh, it looks really, they're really high resolution, beautiful photos. And he was the guy that took those images. So this this is the man. He had a lot of access. Wow. So I'm curious to see what this magazine article is going to be like. And I think from what I'm seeing, 11 pages, interview with Hamid Moslehi and unseen photos it sounds like it's going to be something really special
3: and is that going to be available uh in the united states only or how do you think people can access that
0: i think it's worldwide but you've sort of got to buy it from their website and then it gets delivered to you and i'm guessing if you buy it you get the digital version too i haven't really explored the pricing options or anything but
3: well this magazine is quite new right rogue i think this is the fourth issue they have
0: yeah it's not a very old magazine at all uh, so it's it's pretty new and it's pretty exciting that they have this. Uh, you know, this is coming out fall twenty sixteen, so pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty exciting for them. Like, and the, the cover, the the picture on the cover is just outstanding.
3: Yeah, you can see how Michael really gave himself in that stage. Doesn't matter where or what song or how he felt.
0: It's just so beautiful, like the simplicity of it. Like literally, all you're looking at is Michael in his Billy Jean outfit. The spotlight at his feet, and everything else is black. It's just the simplicity right. and the magic of this image is, oh my god, amazing. Can't wait to read it.
3: Me neither. Uh, it says on the poster there that it's going to be sixteen
0: ninety nine. That's pretty pretty reasonable price. Not too bad.
3: It has um, over it has one hundred and fifty glossy pages. So
0: wow, not too bad. Pretty good. In other news, recently, uh, Ghana's president, John Mahana, gave a speech to the United Nations. This has kind of really gone viral within the Michael Jackson fan community within the last 24 hours. And uh, the reason it's gone viral is because, interestingly, this Ghana president included thoughts on Michael Jackson within his speech to the United Nations. Yes. As pretty special, like he, he's talking a lot about different political and cultural issues in there. His speeches about African migration and xenophobia and a lot of different world sort of issues uh, to do with African people. And he actually said, this is a quote in his speech, "The words of his 1991 hit song "Heal the World" continue to echo from his grave. It is my wish that history will record our time here in this hall as one that gave reality to Michael Jackson's song, Heal the World. Make the world a better place for you and me and the entire human race. Nice. That's
3: pretty cool. <laughs> really profound to, to be said that uh, in front of everybody else at the UN. It's That's important.
0: That's really important, man. I have got big respect for this uh, John Mahana, president of Ghana. That's pretty damn cool. <laughs> you think he met Michael? I don't know, maybe, isn't, like, um, they have, like, a lot... Doesn't Ghana have, like, a lot of respect for Michael in general? I read, like, an article the other day that, like, Ghana had... I I don't know if I read the whole thing correctly, but they actually are getting a replica of Michael Jackson's coffin. Oh, wow. I think so, yes. De- delivered to Ghana or something like that? The like, they've got... The, in general, it seems like the country has, like, a lot of respect for Michael. Hmm. Well, there was a country that made Michael Jackson a king there. I don't know if this is the one... <laughs> I don't know. Let me do a little bit of research right now on that. So, Michael Jackson, King Africa. Yeah, he, he was named a king. So, he's literally a king. <laughs> okay, so the, that's the Kingdom of Sunwi. Wow. Well, and it's nearby. it's a kingdom located in the southeast corner of the Republic of Ivory Coast. And I'm pretty sure I remember listening to uh, the Dream Lives On podcast recently. They were talking about Michael actually um, being a descendant of that place in Africa because oh, wow. of course Michael that being African- American like had roots and origins within Africa so and I'm pretty sure that that's the country that he's from or his family's from interesting so yeah they made him a, uh, a like an actual king of that place but that's different so Ghana Ghana's obviously a different location I'll just I'm gonna look up now the um story I read about where is it? There's a story about him, them buying like the coffin. Michael Jackson gold casket lands in Ghana. Um, yeah, you know, in the
3: news, they make it sound like they're going to get that coffin. But then you go into the article and they actually see it's a replica.
0: Yeah, it's not the obviously not the real one because Michael's in that real one. <laughs> of course, um,
3: but this guy's
9: press.
0: So last week, uh, a similar casket that was used to bury music icon Michael Jackson landed in the Kotoka International Airport, Accra, uh, the first of its kind on the African continent. The 14 karat gold-plated uh, bronze casket said to cost $30,000 uh, was heading for the ancient town of, I don't know how to say that, Nkorenza in the Brong-Ahafo region for the burial of Madame Abina Achia, who died on March 16, 2016, etc., so basically, the whole article is just saying that a similar casket to what Michael Jackson was buried in has gone to Ghana to bury somebody unrelated. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> so so a little bit different to what I originally did. Is thought. that for, like, can I buy one whenever I die? Man, if you could afford a $30,000 casket, then you go right ahead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I'm not going to buy it because I'm dead, but I will leave in my will for them to do that. Did you, see,
0: did you see? Did you remember the, you know, the, the, uh TV documentary Living with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Remember that? I remember. Yeah. Not so great. But remember the yeah. bit in there where Michael's like walking through that antique shop and they see like a replica of uh the Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun's. Yes. <laughs> he said uh, to want to be one of those. Yeah yeah and Man is like, would you like to be buried in something like this? Mm-hmm. And Michael's like, No no I don't want to I I I want to live forever. I don't want to be buried. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Interesting so really awesome news about John Mahana, President John Mahana. So really cool to see, it's cool to see like you said Michael being honored in that way in front of people of such notoriety, so so many world leaders.
3: Correct. They should do it more often.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's Michael doesn't get the recognition that he deserves in that way like in in terms of you know, his thoughts and he has, he had such deep meaning behind so many of his songs. And to, to see that recognized is, is very, very special because often he gets thought of, you know, as just like a pop musician. He had some great hits, you know, Billy Jean, whatever you rock my world, mm-hmm. great, great songs. But we don't often stop to think that the deeper meaning within his songs have, has so much relevance to our world today, especially with so many problems in our world. <laughs>
2: i delighted to have with us one of America's youngest institutions, five of our very favorite people who, in fact, are doing us the honor of letting us celebrate with them their 10th anniversary in show business. A great welcome, gang, for the Jacksons. <laughs> so if you remember these songs... Can say goodbye, don't make the I Never can say goodbye, even though the pain and heartaches seem to follow me wherever I go. Though so I try and strike at my feet, and still always seen the show. Then you try to sing, you live with me, and I always never no Tell me why is it so? is it so. Don't want to let you go.
10: This is Janneke and you're listening to The MJ Cast. If you're after a leading magazine on all things Michael Jackson and the Jackson family, check out Jackson Source. Jackson Source publishes Jackson magazine annually and it offers a full retrospect of the previous year covering all the news, highlights and events of the first and next generation of Jacksons in the form of articles, interviews, photos, categories and exclusive contributions from Jackson family members. 2015 edition of Jackson Magazine is now available and features articles about the message in Michael's music, the legacy of the Jackson Five, exclusive interviews with Tito, Jermaine, Taj, Terrell, and TJ, as well as exclusive pictures of Tito, Jermaine, Jafar, and Your Majesty, and loads more. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JacksonSource. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
2: you.
8: Bonjour, c'est Christophe Charlot, auteur du livre Sur les Pas de Michael Jackson. Merci d'écouter The MG Cast. Well, another thing that is
3: being released also uh, during these coming months is Let's Make History. It's an inside look into History's album done by Bryce Najar. And he's going to release this in French and in English. Now, I don't know exactly what is going to be in there, but I think uh, he says on the article that he interviewed many of the people who worked with Michael during that era. So I'm guessing it's going to be one that also going to cover and focus on the art and music of Michael. So that's pretty good to hear again.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's a bit confusing. I think the book's already out in some formats around the world, uh, but for some reason it's kind of just hitting the press now as coming out soon. Mm -hmm. So I'm confused as to you know it's already out but you can buy it soon i don't really understand maybe it's coming out in a physical format soon right. where it's been digital i don't really know but it is definitely really exciting that this is coming out as i as i've said on the show before i think that um, the most exciting michael jackson products for me in terms of like writing are projects focused around certain elements of michael's life that go into like a lot of depth so Chris Cadman's recent book, Michael Jackson, Off the Wall for the Record. Um, Damien Shield's Escape Origins. Books that take one era or one album or one element and then just go into heaps of detail around that rather than career-spanning biographies. And and I'm not saying they're not good. Like, you know, uh, Mike Smallcomb's book's is fantastic, etc. Uh, but I like the depth and deep detail that we can go into around specific projects. So that's what Bryce Najar is doing with his book, Let's Make History he's gone out and he's actually interviewed uh, people that worked on a history album and he's put together a book just about history. Uh, So I'll read a little bit. When you go to Amazon.com and look at the actual product, it's got a little excerpt there about it. So I'll read a bit from that now. And it says, uh, On June 16th, 1995, Michael Jackson's History Double album was released. This major work contained History Begins, a compilation of his greatest hits, and History Continues that was composed of his new songs at the time. Nearly two decades later, Bryce Najar, a writer and fan of The King of Pop, decided to look into the behind the scenes of both records. That's how he contacted some musicians and technicians who took part in that great adventure so that they would share their memories. The result is that book gathering together many accounts from uh, from the artist's collaborations that contributed to making the history album. So let's go back to 1995 for an immersion into the studio with Michael Jackson in order to evoke the past, the present, and the future. So, it sounds pretty good.
3: Yeah, and this is not the first uh, book he makes about Michael Jackson. I think he's already done two of them previously.
0: Oh, really? I didn't know that.
3: Yeah, and I think hopefully he puts in pictures in there of Michael also, glossy, some new stuff that we haven't seen. Uh, The cover of it, though, is really nice. It's Michael holding a guitar in black and white with his sunglasses, hair falling down. Pretty amazing. I really like that picture. He shows. Oh, that's from the
0: screen video, isn't it?
3: Yes, from the screen video.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It looks good. His Facebook page is really interesting too, because he just he puts up really cool stuff there. Like uh, I think yesterday he put up um, an email from Bruce with Ian. Oh wow! (laughs) Around the book, which was pretty cool. Yeah, so it looks good. I haven't read it, obviously, but if you any of our listeners get a chance grab the book have a read send us an email at the MJcast at iCloud.com telling us what your thoughts are around the book but it looks pretty fantastic. All right um, Brad Sunderberg has put on his website some upcoming dates for new in the studio with MJ shows. Uh, there's some pretty there's some really cool ones coming up. he's kind of taken the show on the road. Uh, and taken it around the world. His upcoming shows, the four ones that are listed there for the remainder of the year, he's going to Europe and South America. So the shows are London, Dublin, Berlin, and then Mexico City. Uh, it's pretty special to see him taking the show to so many different corners of the globe. Uh, i again still haven't been to seen in the studio with mj show most of our listeners probably have and <laughs> i still haven't which really kind of bugs me and i will get there i think early um 2017 he's coming to australia to yeah. do some shows in sydney and melbourne so hopefully that's my chance to finally get to see in the studio with michael jackson you need to i need to i, f- so I start feel like, saving. start saving to if you have to, to travel i know right and you know, if, if you want to learn a little bit more about In the Studio with MJ, definitely go back to our Brad Sunderberg special from last year. And you can hear, he, he talks all about the show and what he does and gives a few great stories on Michael and his work with Michael as well. Um, so he was, if you don't know, he was a technical director for Michael Jackson from pretty much like the bad era onwards, um, right up until uh, after the history era. So he he worked a lot with Michael in the studio, and he did a lot of the studio, sorry, the audio systems at Neverland Valley Ranch, uh, where Michael lived. So very important figure in Michael's life. So you really want to go to these seminars because you learn a lot about you know him and his work with Michael and stories about Michael. And something that's a little bit different for these upcoming shows is that they're not limited to sort of one event, one seminar. There's he he's doing another thing that happens the day before or the night before. And I can't remember exactly what they're called. I think they're called the the remix, the remixes, VIP remix, yeah. or uh-huh. something like that. Something like that. And yeah, the way he the way he advertises it is he says that the remix events, which are like Friday night sort of events, um, fewer stories, more music, lots of things to discover. They're very casual, one like one of a kind, hands on events in the studio, hearing music in a whole new way, very unique experience for Michael fans. So, it's pretty exciting because if you're going to go to these events, there's going to be a Friday night event where you get to meet sort of a lot of Michael fans, engage with Michael's music in different ways. And then Saturday, you go back the next day, mid morning, for the main event, which is the work, the sort of the seminar, uh, which talks all about Michael's career, Brad's work with him, and get to experience some pretty cool stuff there as well. So, that's. Uh, Coming up, and pretty exciting as well, Jason. To see that South America will be getting in the studio with MJ.
3: Correct. I was waiting for a Houston visit, but it's not in the schedule. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyways, it, it, it's okay. He doesn't come to Houston. That's fine. As they say, maybe maybe I would have to do something about that. That one in Mexico City is really special because. Thanks to this podcast, yeah, I've been able to meet Ali and Sandra, which I'm doing the podcast with them in Spanish. This this version, the MJ Cast in Español, right? And uh, him going to Mexico City in any time, as I told you before, living in a coming from a town that is very, very, very small, very rural in Mexico on the north side. I wouldn't even, never thought about going out of it to to any type of event or any type of concert. Now I've come, I come to come to Houston. And Mexico City is even farther away. But because of this podcast now, because of you guys, because of Michael, and because uh, the relationship that very fast I have developed with uh, Ali, it gave me the courage to ask permission to my wife, you know, you have to do that, uh, to let me go to Mexico (laughs) City. So I'm actually going to travel, and I have my tickets, and I'm ready to go. I'm going to go to Mexico City and see Brad
0: that is that is incredibly exciting and i'm just going to look here when that is so november
3: 11th and 12th
0: november 11th and 12th so you will be traveling yes in two months or it's just crazy it's going two months to mexico i can't even oh believe God.
3: it because you know i would have never done that before at all and now yeah. the the possibility of doing that was so tangible that i just did it and I'm gonna go. I can't believe. I really can't believe that I'm traveling to an event, a Michael Jackson event, so far away from my city, and actually to another country. That is just crazy,
0: but it's happening thanks to you guys. Thank you. Oh, that's no, that's no, no worries at all. Which it's, it's really exciting that you get to go. Yeah. And so you're going to be meeting Ali there. Is that I the will first time meeting, you
3: will have met yes, her? Yes, I never met her before, so in person. So that's going to be exciting too. I don't know how tall she is. She looks tall on her pictures. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. I, we'll see. <laughs> is sandra going she's not gonna be able to go but hopefully one day i get to go to yeah f- to wherever she's at
0: <laughs> oh that's cool so all right so yeah that's really cool so make sure you get lots of photos with brad and ali and <laughs> we'll do Oh, that's gonna be really we're cool. planning
3: on bringing our own mj cast t-shirt so we'll oh be wow you guys are gonna this. do that i think we're gonna <laughs> do it we're looking into it very seriously be representing so if you go if you go to the one in uh, australia you will have to represent buddy i'm sorry I will be talking
0: with Q about that. We'll see what we can do there.
3: <laughs> excited. I, I really can't believe it. So uh, I'm really excited and I'm very thankful. And I can't believe it. It's really unbelievable that thanks to this podcast, this medium, the internet, you know, now I'm, I'm able to fly. Spread
2: my wings and fly away.
3: And, and go over there. Not only uh, talk to another fellow fan, which is the main purpose of the be making the podcast for myself, but actually meeting a Michael Jackson engineer, which is another thing
0: I never thought yeah. I would gonna do. So it's just incredible. It's crazy. It's it is crazy. And I guess you guys will be doing a roundup of your experiences there on the MJ Cast in Espanol.
3: Definitely, we will have to do something and talk about the experience and how I felt. And uh, you know, I'm afraid of flying, even though Q is uh, you know, he's always <laughs> flying, but I'm afraid of flying. So getting into the small planes is it's hard for me, but I will I will do it. I'm gonna do that. I, I fly a lot, you know. I just went to Vietnam. Um, but
0: yep. still, I'm I'm always scared. I know the feeling. I the more I fly, the less that is there. It kind of goes away for me a little bit, but mm-hmm. um I definitely definitely have that feeling. <laughs> yes. Actually, it was really bad because a few days ago I flew from Brisbane. I went to see my family in Brisbane and I flew back to Moranbar. and because I live so rurally in this mining town, the only flights that come in and out of Moranbah are these little sort of propeller, like dash eight <laughs> wow. sort of prop planes. They're really, really small. And, uh, basically they, they, you feel all the turbulence cause they're such yes. small aircraft. You feel all the turbulence on them. <laughs> and there was this moment I had to go to the bathroom in the flight. And as soon as <laughs> I went into the bathroom, the seatbelt sign sort of came on, and the captain was like, Okay, we're going to go through some turbulence. And I'm sitting alone in this <laughs> tiny little bathroom, and the plane's shaking all over the place. And there's like a sign that comes on that tells me to go back to my seat, but I'm in the middle of, well, you working. Know, you know, going to the. I was, yeah, I was really in the middle of this, and I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Not a great experience at all. Reminds so, you yeah. of Jurassic Park, right? That scene where the. <laughs>
3: dinosaur (laughs) hits on the restroom and the guy's reading the newspaper
0: (laughs) oh my god I love that movie yeah (laughs) oh well so there we go more in the studio with MJ coming travelling around the world make sure that you go uh, see Brad Sunderberg talk about Michael Jackson and his experiences working with MJ. If you want a little bit of a taste of what it is going to be like, and it's it's <laughs> incomparable really to being there and hearing all the stories from Brad himself. If you want a little bit of a taste of it, make sure you listen to the MJ cast special with Brad Sundberg from last year. We'll put that in the show notes. And enjoy In the Studio with MJ. I sure will. Just in regards to our main discussion topic this week, earlier in the week, I put a tweet out to uh, our listeners or followers, I should say, of the MJ cast. And I just said, look, hit us with some ideas about what we could talk about for our main discussion topic. We really love our show to be sort of as interactive as possible. And we had a lot of really great suggestions. We had about 10 to 12 suggestions from different people around the world and uh, some really, really good ones there. Some people wanted us to talk about uh, how the estate are handling things or, you know, different, different controversial sort of topics like that. And I think we went into a lot of detail around that sort of thing. On episode thirty nine of the MJ Cast with Samar of the MJAP and Charles Thompson, so I thought, no, let's this time I'll choose one of the topics from from listeners that has a little bit more of a a sort of I guess a positive vibe to it. And there was one great question sent in by L Josephine, who is at underscore l i n a j o s e f i n. Great, great follower of the MJ cast Twitter account. And she sent in suggestions saying, what are some of the less famous Michael Jackson songs that deserve recognition? Mm. And I thought that was a really, really good question and an interesting question as well, because at first I thought about it, like, I don't know about you, Jason, but I was thinking, okay, what are those songs out there that, that don't, that Michael released that don't get a lot of recognition? And the truth of the matter is, if you really think about it, Michael is an artist that sold... More more numbers really of records than anybody any other artist that's ever really lived like and consistently as well like and and people often think like after Thriller he sold less and less um, albums and that's just not true. No. If you look at a graph of the amount of albums Michael sold throughout his career, Bad, the album that came out after Thriller, actually sold less than Dangerous, which came out in the nineties. Right. So. You know and and the reason History didn't sell as much as his other albums as well is because it was such an expensive album like it was a double disc set that cost quite a lot of money so people couldn't just you know walk into the record store and shell out you know just that amount of money casually like they would have possibly for the cassettes and things that had come out before that so Michael's career is very interesting in that even the albums that didn't sell a lot comparatively to Thriller sold a and excuse my French, but like a crap ton of of albums. Like Blood on the Dance Floor was the largest selling remix album of all time. History's the largest selling double disc album of all time. Right. Um, even Invincible sold, you know, worldwide millions of albums. So we're we're talking about an artist that even their their lowest selling album still sold more than many many other artists that exist in the world today. So, it's hard to say like, okay, if, if I just chose a song like, I don't know, like a non-single song from Invincible, let's just say, I don't know, um, I don't know, Heaven Can Wait or something like that, a song that I think is really great, that song has still sold millions and millions of copies. So, I don't know, it's hard to say that that Michael's songs deserve more recognition in some, in some senses, because they've already sold millions of copies. So I went into it kind of thinking, what are the songs that haven't really been heard, I guess, by a lot of Michael Jackson fans? And that's the way I interpreted the question. And I guess you could argue there's songs that still came out on his records that could be spoken about more or interpreted more or discussed more. And that's definitely a possibility there. But, but for me, I interpreted... Um, Lena Josephine's question is more like, you know, to me to, to to get more recognition for Michael Jackson would mean that the songs wouldn't necessarily have to have been sold on the market, you know, officially or the albums shouldn't you know haven't sold that many. So I'll get into my list a little bit later. Um, Jason, what did how did you interpret the question going into that?
3: Oh, uh, well, I actually thought that we could We could talk about the songs that are not are not very well known. Like everybody knows Billie Jean, everybody knows "The Way You Make Me Feel," but which songs out there that in Michael Jackson's catalog that are that good, but not many people know about? And I'm not talking. I'm not thinking. I wasn't thinking just about the fans because the fans we know all of them, but just like worldwide, like regular people and just listening casual, you know, music that they only listen to Billie Jean because it comes in the radio. That's what I was I was thinking about. Which ones are actually that good that they could have been even better maybe than Billy Jean, but that people don't know about.
0: Yeah. And that's a good way to put it. Like there's a lot of a lot of casual Michael Jackson fans out there. They might own number ones or the essential Michael Jackson yes. records, like the the greatest hits, and that's it. They don't know about the album tracks. Yes. The deep cuts. That's true. That's a good way to look at it as well. So um yeah, my list is a mix between songs that people in general wouldn't know, even people that would consider themselves Michael Jackson fans. And most of our listeners, really, when you look at our stats, most of our listeners don't engage with, um, you know, hardcore Michael Jackson websites and, and social media most of our listeners are on iTunes so people who have discovered us through iTunes so i'm sure that a lot of our listeners even though they would consider themselves michael jackson fans may not have heard some of the songs that i'm going to be talking about so um we might go ahead and I'll get into my list first if that's okay jason and Let's then do we'll, that. we'll get we'll get into yours so the first song and this is actually one that we had in common i think to start with but the song that i would consider you know even out of every song on my list the song that i think really deserves a lot more recognition that Michael recorded is, is You Can't Win. And this is a song that Michael recorded with Quincy Jones uh, in the very late 70s. It was a song that ended up being in the film The Wiz um, but was released on record later, both on The Wiz soundtrack. And it also came out, for the first time that I can remember, it came out, well, it actually came out as a B-side, I think, originally on um, the Billy Jean single, but it was called something different and it had slightly different lyrics. I think it was called something like Can't Get Out of the Rain or something. Um, But it ended up coming out in its full uh, version. It's quite a long song actually as well, but it came out in its entirety on the Ultimate Collection. Uh, That was the first time I really heard it properly. And I just, just, man, the song just goes through so many different, like it's so funky and it goes through so many different Um, phases and especially at the end with the whole call and response like section i it is a phenomenally um, epic michael record that really i think showcases his talent uh to a level that i you know i would say that it's either as strong or stronger than a lot of the songs on thriller it could
3: have been in thriller easily
0: easily like it is on the level of like don't stop till you get enough and want to be starting something for me. Yeah. Like that level of epic awesomeness. <laughs> do you yeah. have similar thoughts? Yes. Yeah. That this song
3: is really, really good. I actually I listen to it a lot, and some sometimes just the melody is stuck in my head for no reason, and and it's very difficult to sing too. He sings really high notes on, on some in some sections of it because I've tried, and yeah, it's kind of hard. And then he does his runs that are also kind of hard to do. And then yeah. he, he laughs in the song.
0: It's, it's, it's funky, as you said. It's just great to, to dance. It's just another level. And he, he, it's such a positive song too. Like even though it's 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 not as positive lyrically as the other song that he did, um, Ease On Down The Road, at the same time with Quincy Jones. But it's the vibe of it is so positive. Like no matter what kind of mood I'm in, if I'm in a bad mood, if I put on You Can't Win, it's got that same that same kind of impact on me emotionally as Don't Stop Till You Get Enough and a lot of those off-the-wall era songs. Right. Just lifts me right up. And this is this is the same collaborative sort of... This is where Michael and Quincy's work together started, really, was on those two songs for The Wiz, You Can't Win and He's On Down the Road. And, of course, we know where that collaboration ended up in being you know, the, some of the greatest albums in history, off-the-wall thriller and bad. So, if you, if you want to get into a, a lesser-known Michael Jackson song, a song that Michael and Quincy worked on together, have a listen to You Can't Win. You can find it on um, in The Ultimate Collection, but we'll put a link to it as well in the show notes. Uh, my second song that I thought was really good is, is a song that doesn't get a lot of recognition. It's also uh, a, a collaboration between Michael and Quincy, uh, and it was for the E.T. album, the mm-hmm. storybook album, and it's called Someone in the Dark. And again, this is a song that came out from the Thriller era, uh, but it wasn't on the album Thriller. And I only really heard it properly when it came out in on the Ultimate Collection in the mid two thousands. Yes. And the this song isn't a typical pop song at all. It's very theatrical, very uh, Broadway, and it's. I listened to it. The the I've always loved it, but. The time that I actually, for the first time, really appreciated its beauty recently when I was I was going on a walk late at night, just near my house. And, you know, there was a very starry night. And this song came on, on random. And it's got this really ethereal kind of theme that marries really well with the film E.T. Because it was recorded for e- the E.T. Storybook album, um, which, by the way, won a Grammy. And this song just, just soared. And, and listening to it under the stars, walking at night, no one's around, the the feeling, the emotion of Michael in this song talking about, you know, really uh, friendship and an unlikely friendship that came along uh, for the character in the song is just so beautiful. And I, I appreciated this song like I never had before. And it's a song that doesn't really get spoken about very much but boy is it amazing
3: yeah i actually have the vinyl of the et so i heard it there first before i came out on the thing but as you said you don't pay attention to it really in the beginning because it's so slow it's just a nice ballad uh yeah until you pay attention you gotta really pay attention to to his voice and the way he's delivering and to appreciate it uh and then of course i always know about a good song when i sing them if i don't sing them I, i don't, I can't judge them really well, and this one is hard too. I try to sing it, and I sound horrible. And no, it didn't. It didn't work for me. I can't sing. This I think I think we
0: need to get a demo right here now, Jason. Give us some. Give us some lines from someone in the Dark." <clears throat> you want? You want me to <laughs> sing this one right now?
3: Of course, man. Hit us. But just I t- I'm telling you, I don't sound good on this. Let, let give me another one that I'm good at, but not this okay, one. Okay. well, you hard. choose
0: any of the ones I'm talking about? You just jump in and <laughs> start singing. <laughs> All right. yeah great great song so check that one out if you get the chance to listen to someone in the dark it's on the uh it's on the ultimate collection it's on the et storybook album uh a lot of these things you can hear on youtube but if you want to hear it in great quality you've got to get the uh the records that they came out on uh my next lesser known well see this is what i mean like the my next one that i put here is is actually on thriller so it's not like it's it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't really deserve more recognition because it's on the biggest-selling album of all time. Right. <laughs> but yeah, "Lady in My Life" it wasn't released as a single, but when you listen to the last third of this song, like the way that Michael's singing and the groove he gets into with it, and just the mood that it creates, I just think it's a very, very special song, and it it doesn't really get spoken about a lot. Kind of in the same way that. You know, th- uh, Off the Wall has those songs like Burn This Disco Out and Get On... Um, what is it? It's like Get On The Floor. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just amazing. Like the album, there's these songs on Michael Jackson Records. that The record really wouldn't be the same without them. And I feel like Lady In My Life is like that, even though it's not a standout single. It encompasses the general mood of the album and the, and the groove of the album so well that it gives the album that character. And uh, "Lady in My Life" is, a, is is a great sort of mood setting song. I just got. I think a lot of babies have been made to that song. I just got to say, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, his delivery is perfect. His voice is, you know, so great. He's so crisp. The vocals are so nice, and the way he yeah. delivers, yeah, it's just amazing. I really like the voice in that song.
0: Yeah, it's very, very special. You can get that one on the Thriller album, folks. Probably everybody listening to this. I would be surprised if anybody listening to this podcast does not own Thriller. So <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and put Lady in My Life on. The next one I had was an is uh, an unreleased, a, a song that is still, I think it's still unreleased. I don't know if it's ever officially come out. It may have come out on one of the King of Pop uh, yeah, albums.
3: Somewhere in Asia.
0: Yeah, um, it's called Hot Street. It was a song, a demo that was recorded in consideration for Thriller. It, it is a little bit, uh, I won't say incomplete, but it, 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 I don't think it's been produced or mixed to the level that it would have been had Michael completed it and put it on the Thriller album. But in my opinion, my humble opinion, I think the song Hot Street is stronger than some of the songs on Thriller. For example, um, I'm not a massive fan of uh, the song um, "The Girl Is Mine" the duet with Paul McCartney, Uh, and I and I think that if Michael had have completed Hot Street and replaced the Girl Is Mine, or maybe um, yeah, pretty much just, or maybe Pyt, I don't know, on Thriller with Hot Street, it would have been massive. I think it's the groove of the song and the, the. the actual the melody and the, the feel of it is just so good, so such a strong track. And I'm curious as to why it was never really completed, to be honest. So I have got a few more to talk about, and I apologize. I'm <laughs> I've got quite a lot of songs here because you can't ask a MJ podcast host <laughs> a question like what they think uh, Michael's least uh, uh, recognized songs are without going into a bit of depth here. So well, I do apologize. I got his catalog is huge i got yeah he's he is massive actually um my next one is a song that only just recently came out uh on bad twenty five and it's uh called abortion papers there's another title for it too also yeah it does have another title what's the full title um i remember a k a abortion papers <laughs> yeah 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 that's right but i remember yeah. the
3: beginning i don't know sorry
0: the the song is like I was really shocked when bad 25 came out around how much quality unreleased material there is from bad. And I, I didn't, I honestly didn't think there was going to be that much. I thought in, in the true spirit of Michael Jackson, a lot of his demos are actually quite vocally incomplete because he only used to really lay down proper complete vocals quite late in the studio sessions. If he knew he was going to really potentially release the song. So I thought, okay, going into bad 25, there wasn't going to be that many great finished demos, but, uh, Abortion Papers that I was proven wrong, like Al Capone, Abortion Papers and like quite a few of the other songs as well are amazing. And Abortion Papers is... Okay, let me just say, Michael recorded a lot of songs from the bad era and the dangerous era that had really, really hard-hitting, complex, socially conscious thematic lyrics and material. Mm -hmm. And Abortion Papers is one of these. He's dealing with the concept in this song of an abortion, you know, a terminated pregnancy, and how that's being interpreted and perceived by, you know, a very religious, you know, I guess right-wing perspective. And, um, you know, that, that in itself, like, just think about that. Like, what artist can you think of from 2016 that's releasing a song discussing the ethics around abortion? No, I don't can hear it. I can not think of anyone. That's such a brave, deep concept to 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 sing about. And it's okay, it's not exactly commercially palatable. And I don't know how it would have done <laughs> if it was actually released. But Michael didn't shy away from singing about these things. Do you know where your children are is another one which I'll get to. But yeah, very, very cool song in terms of I mean the groove's great. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a really funky, awesome sounding song. But when you look at the lyrics of it, holy crap, was this guy, this guy was not afraid to sing about complex issues.
3: Song Groove is the name of uh, the actual name of the song.
0: That's right. Song Groove, AKA Abortion Papers. Um, very, very special song. And you can hear that one on Bad 25. What, what were your thoughts when you first heard that song? Uh, it just
3: sounded dated. That's what I first thought about. And, and then yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the subject, yeah, it was kind of hard for me to grasp. Uh, but then you have to put it in the context then of uh, how how he's ri- writing about these things, and he was maybe thinking about releasing. Maybe it was the reason that he did not release it because maybe the, the theme was too strong for the people at that time. Uh, but he did take the time to write it though. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's he was right. thinking about releasing it some all the time when it was proper. But 1990. Mm. When was it Bad release? 1980. 1987. But 1987, I don't think he was ready for a song like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you completely. And there's a few other songs from that era that are similar. Um, my next one is a song very close to my heart, very special. I heard I, This is a song that I actually heard pretty early on in my fandom when I started researching Michael Jackson rare songs in the early 2000s. And it's a, it's a rare song that's kind of always been out there. It never came out on an album. It's definitely strong enough to be on an album. I think it's stronger than a lot of the songs on um, Dangerous. Uh, It was recorded during the Dangerous Era. I don't know who produced it. I should research that. But it uh, came out on a Pepsi promotional uh, CD at some point, and it was also played, the instrumental version of it was played during the Dangerous World Tour Mm. in one of the interludes. And the song, you can probably guess already, is called Someone Put Your Hand Out. I believe it also came out on the Ultimate Collection, though I can't remember exactly for sure. Um, But it takes the listener in a direction of... uh, that a lot of Michael's songs don't go in. I actually remember him saying at one point, during our Taj Jackson special, Taj, we we were speaking about the song Why, and Taj actually said that Michael didn't want to record the song because it had too much of like a baby face kind of vibe. And even though Michael Jackson was through and through like an R&B singer, and I think that's the material that he really shone on the most when he sang, you know, really, really sort of deep, soulful R&B music. Um, he didn't record a lot of it because I, I don't, I, if I had to guess, I, I I think he probably shied away from being stereotyped as a, you know, um, R&B singer. Mm-hmm. So there's only a few songs like that. You know, you've got, you are not alone. Um, there's on the line, which actually was written by Babyface, um And a few others like in invincible. You see a lot of Michael R&B material, like heaven can wait um, and stuff like that. But, Someone put your hand out. Is a song that came that was recorded in the early '90s, and it is that. It, like it is a soulful R&B track where Michael just takes that li- takes the listener in the in that puts them in that that baby face boys to man sort of vibe. And oh man, it just feels like you're swimming through this luscious audio. It's so rich, so beautiful. One of my favorite Michael songs, and I think it really. It really, I think, should have come out on one of his posthumous albums because it's a song that I think deserves a lot of recognition. Um, Yeah, that's my thoughts on Someone Put Your Hand Out. (laughs) Very, very sweet. Uh, I got a few to go, so bear with me. Uh, My next one is Why You Want to Trip On Me. Um, I I, could have chosen a lot of songs from the first half of Dangerous that could have gone in here because... You know, Michael released Remember the Time and Jam as singles. But, of course, on the first half of Dangerous, Michael did a lot of uh, really hard-hitting, uh, very groundbreaking New Jack Swing with Teddy Riley. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like a lot of that stuff is really given the props that it deserves. Like, of course, Dangerous sold more than bad. It's, it's Michael's second biggest-selling album of all time. Uh, but we, we think of it more like uh, we recognize the songs on it more like Jam – Who Is It, Uh, Black or White, and, you know, some of those, you know, Will You Be There, and a lot of the songs that Michael sort of co-wrote. But if you get into – if you're looking at the Teddy Riley stuff in the first half of the album, Michael really takes rhythm to another level, and lyrically, oh, my God, like, the lyrics on the songs like Jam and and I Want to Focus on Why You Want to Trip on Me Here, this is – this is Michael really coming out and saying, why the hell is the media focusing on me? Let's look at all of these issues that the world are facing now. And he's, he's singing on this song about things like, um, you know, school teachers that don't know how to teach, like education problems, uh, you know, people's perceptions of ethnicity and violence. And like, he's going all out on this track, calling out the big problems that humanity's facing socially. And oh man, he takes it to just again like this balance between modern, amazing, cutting edge new jack grooves with deep lyrics and themes. Whoa, another level, another level. Him and Teddy took it to another level with this record, and I wish I wish it got a little bit more recognition. I wish it was discussed a little bit more. But uh, yeah, and I got I got similar feelings about the song Money actually, which is my next pick, and that's from the album History. And uh, uh, you know, again, very, very. You can hear, you can learn about it if you listen to our Rob Hoffman special, and Rob talks about the uh, the creation of the song. But uh, I love this one for a totally different reason. Yes, it's got those really awesome lyrics that talk about, you know, it's really quite prophetic around what would eventually happen in Michael's career and how he passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh, the 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 song itself and the harmonies in it, the luscious sort of layered, rich harmonies, are better than I think you know, any other harmonies and background vocals on any other Michael record. And again, not really discussed a lot, but very, very special song.
3: I remember this song because uh, they put it on that, uh, the game, the video game. It's very easy to dance to. I made a lot of points with it.
0: Which video game? The Experience. Oh, right. The, I, I never played that. No. Yeah, yeah, but it was pretty popular. Hey?
3: Yeah, that song is in there and I, I think that's one of the when one, another way for me to discover it because I, I heard it before but then it's in the game
0: and they play it and you're like yeah that's actually good that's actually a good song <laughs> um my next one is kind of weird it's like not one song it's the entire blood on the dance floor album <laughs> minus the remix minus the remix okay um, good <laughs> and of course you know even minus i would even throw out Blood on the Dance Floor from this list because that that was a single that did really well and was recognised really well. And even Superfly Sister, to me, it's... Mm, Blood on the Dance Floor and Superfly Sister are songs that... They, they, they're not that different from what's on the Dangerous album, but all the non-single songs, so Ghosts, Is It Scary and Morphine are... Absolutely, in my opinion, underrated and uh, are given are not given as much recognition recognition mm-hmm. as they deserve. If I'm if I'm thinking about Michael Jackson in terms of his artistic creativity and independence and willingness to take risks and push the medium forward, those three songs are the apex. Invincible is an album that, when Michael came back with that in 2001, had a very contemporary R&B you know, Rodney Jerkins produced Flavor.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: But prior to that, the, late, the last work that I think Michael did that was purely uh, creative and experimental would, would have to have been Ghosts, Is It Scary? and Morphine. Those three songs represent to me the creative peak and apex of, of Michael Jackson in general, sonically. After that, like I love everything after that as well, but it was, in my opinion, a little bit more safe uh, musically this this was where it was at for his creativity and experimentation, um, and props to any of the engineers and producers and musicians that worked on those songs. I can only imagine how incredible it would have been in the studio uh, during the recording sessions. But yeah, very, very great songs musically, but also lyrically, like if you is, is it scary, you could sit down and study for for <laughs> forever like there are no limits on what you can read into that song beautiful beautiful songs I love them uh and then at speaking of invincible uh I also have their uh break of dawn I think that's a very very sweet special song that didn't get recognition it was interestingly released on um number one's album mm-hmm. as one of the tracks at the end of that uh, it never came out as a single so i'm ve- i was always very surprised why michael in put Break of Dawn on there I can only imagine that maybe it was because he felt that it it was a strong enough song to have gotten more recognition. I know that it was the first song that Michael chose to play Sony Music executives from his recording sessions for Invincible Um, you can read all about that in the great Damien Shields article I believe on um, oh what's the record that he did with Corey Rooney? Um, She Was Loving Me so when Michael demoed the invincible songs to to Sony Music, it was Break of Dawn that he chose to play first. And beautiful, stunning song. I think it just it encapsulates Michael Jackson as an r b singer. And uh, it's always surprising to me that it wasn't released as a single. I actually think it, if it was released as a single after uh, maybe Butterflies or before um, You Rock My World, it would have done really well.
3: I don't think Break of Dawn was in number ones.
0: Yeah, it was number one. It was definitely a number one. It was uh, actually with. Uh, I think it was before One More Chance. I'll double check now.
3: I don't think so. It was only one song in that album. That one new song.
0: I was really shocked that it was included. I'm just researching now the the track list because I'm certain that it was on there. Well, maybe in Australia. <laughs> uh, track listing. Yeah, there it is. It, it's track number track number 16 one more chance to break it on that you are right oh my goodness yeah and but this this is the thing right like why is that song on there it was never a single all the other songs on there were singles so my theory behind why that song's on there is is well partly because I think Michael was really super proud of it and thought it could do well as a single but I I actually think that he intended for that song to come out as a single in 2003 just before the child molestation allegations broke so he he planned on releasing well he did release one more chance as a single but i think that um he was he was planning on releasing break of dawn as well after one more chance Hmm, interesting maybe to give it a bit of a second chance after invincible was sabotaged by sony um but anyway we we can only guess what the plans were for that song but i think it it definitely is underappreciated i got a few more i'll go through these quickly Uh, this is kind of getting more into the posthumous sort of era here. Um, Do You Know Where Your Children Are, clear, clear underappreciated song, like one of the best lyrical Michael Jackson songs of all time. Um, You know, he talks about child abuse, sexual child abuse, child molestation in this song. And that's a a very touchy subject for Michael Jackson fans because obviously he was accused of that heinous crime twice in his life. Uh, Well, more than twice, but seriously accused of it um, through the legal system twice and uh, obviously was never a pedophile but chose to sing about it. I mean, what sort of... I mean, let's just suppose in our minds for a moment that Michael Jackson was a pedophile. What what sort of pedophile is going to go out and sing about that? Like, that's crazy. Like, if he... Yeah. You know, why would... He, he felt so strongly about children and the treatment of children that he decided to sing about the sexual mistreatment of children on this song uh, that just speaks volumes to me uh, t- to his character and what an amazing song it is it goes to another level the passion in it the 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 plight of children around the world in it the call to action for for adults for us to care about children and look after them especially as parents is just so powerful and so amazing and it it's it's up there to me with earth song they don't care about us and these these songs that are like calls to action that are pleas for, for humans around the world to do something about problems. It's it's amazing. It was I don't know why he again, I, I think it's the same reason as abortion papers why he chose not to release it because it's mm-hmm. such a controversial topic. Um but I'm glad it's out now for us to all enjoy.
3: So which version do you like the most out of the three?
0: I I actually I like the this I, I know most of the time I'm going on about only liking original Michael Jackson work, but I gotta say I really like the twenty ten version the Steve Lukather guitar version that didn't come out on the Michael album is probably my favorite. I listened to Michael's original version the most because that's what he had the most creative control over. Mm-hmm. But I think the most the song reached its peak with the 2010 version. What do you think? I, I
3: remember listening to the one uh, with the t- 2010. I think it was pretty cool. That guitar really yeah. sounds really... And, and it gives a different dimension to that section. You see when they did escape they announced it like we're gonna finish uh doing the ones that Michael had the most completed i that always bothered me because I do feel like Michael has more songs out there that are completed but they're making yes. it sound like that's it that's what, all we that's all that we have
0: i I don't yeah it's just not true actually like there are songs out there that Michael brought to states of completion even more than the what's on the escape album um yeah. I'll give you some examples like the the solo version of um, uh, What More Can I Give and there's people that might disagree with me actually a very close friend of mine who's heard that song as well uh, seems to think he he thinks that it's not as complete vocally but I've listened to it I think it's pretty damn complete so um, I don't know there's there's songs out there that are more complete I don't know the reasoning behind that I, I, I think that the, the long-standing belief is that um, some music producers kind of hold out material that they have with Michael on them because of disagreement with the estate. The best example of that is "Will I Am." Right. Um, so we don't know how complete the "Will I Am" songs are, but you know Michael worked with him for months and months and months. So I'd imagine that at least one of the songs is pretty complete. But we'll see. We'll see. Right. Um, I've only got two to go. So the second last one I have is the song "Escape." Uh, the song was originally recorded with Rodney Jerkins for the Invincible album. It leaked after that, just before Number Ones came out. And again, my theory is that that song was going to end up being on Number Ones uh, in the place of Break of Dawn, probably. And I think Michael wanted it to be a single. It's an incredible song. Uh, I love it. It's in my top 10 Michael songs because he sings about his personal pressure that he had to face through business relationships and wanting to escape that pressure. And he never escaped that pressure. And it's the reason he died actually. Um, So Escape is special to me, not only because it's an incredible R&B, you know, dance track from Rodney Jerkins and Michael, but also because he is directly singing to the fans on that song about how he died. Even though it was recorded before he died, it's the reason he died is, you know, the lyrically, lyrically, if you study the song Escape, it talks about the reason he died Uh, from the intense business relationship pressure that he faced and wasn't able to escape from, but dreamed about escaping from. Um, so great, great song Love it Listen to it all the time So glad that we got The uh, original version of it Released on the Escape album Because it's Before that We only had it in 128 kilobit quality It was pretty compressed Audio MP3 From the leak um, So now we have it In great CD quality And it's It is amazing
3: Well not, not as great But it's, it's good It's good Do you,
0: So oh, you don't think it's great
3: I don't think the, It doesn't sound stereo to me I think it's flat you think it's pretty flat compared to the contemporized versions, because uh, if he did these songs in two thousand and something, they should sound like "Invincible" or like uh, what's that song that he repeated also, um, that they put in, in in Michael, that we already have on, um, on the collection.
0: Uh, um um um. Oh, the uh, the way you love me. Yeah,
3: it should sound like the way you love me, which is very stereo. It sounds great. You know, you can hear sounds on the right, on the left. With Escape and all of the original songs in Disc 2, they all sound pretty flat to me. I think they could have done something better with that.
0: Well, I agree with you on that point. And the best example of that is actually, um, well, the song that they renamed Chicago, which is absolutely Mm. ridiculous because it's called She Was Loving Me. (laughs) And Corey Rooney has even said that, the writer and producer of the song. Um, But that's a great example of it. The new version produced by Timberland of... uh, Chicago, or you know, she was loving me. Sounds very rich, very like you're saying stereo. Corey Rooney has is on the record as saying he doesn't understand why the original version of that song was never mixed. He was never even approached by the Michael Jackson Estate or Sony mm. Music to mix his own song for release <laughs> on that album. They just put it out in some kind of flat demo sound. Right.
3: That's what they did with Escape. And Escape has great, uh, like he's in a prison, like you hear chains around. That would sound amazing on my earphones. And
0: it just sounds like it's just there. Well, that's great feedback, I think, for the estate. And I hope you guys are listening, estate and Sony, because when we get Michael Jackson songs, we want them in the best possible sounding quality. Yes,
3: definitely. Mm.
0: Okay. I I got one more to go. And I've saved this one to last because I think it's the number one in my opinion, the number one most underappreciated Michael Jackson song ever. And I'm still shocked as to why it never came out on the Michael or Escape albums. And I think that it deserves to be considered one of the best Michael uh, songs of all time. I remember the first time I heard it when it came out on the Ultimate Collection. I was literally sitting at home, listening on my speakers. I'd just come back from a two-hour train ride to Brisbane to get this song. And... I'm back in my home and I put it on and I've got goosebumps all over my body and I'm Mm -hmm. like literally shaking, like my body is shaking hearing the song because I've been a fan for about four years or something and have always dreamed of Michael releasing a hard-hitting, amazing song where he's singing so brilliantly, just like old times. And that's what what happens on We've Had Enough. And it's obviously about... You know, this was during the time of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars when they were at their very height. Um, A lot of artists were coming out and critiquing the reason for America being in the Middle East, fighting in Iraq specifically. And um, Michael released We've Had Enough, which is an anti-war protest epic anthem. And oh my God, does it soar. I mean, the guitar, the vocals... It's like Earth Song yes, but about is. war, mm-hmm. and ah, uh, she's oh, I I even to this day when I listen to it, it's just goosebumps all over. I love it, and I wish it got more recognition. Uh, what are your thoughts on "We've Had Enough"?
3: Uh, I think I had uh, something like that. I, yeah, I first heard it on when they came out, and it was it was an amazing. It was just an amazing experience. the The, the music sounds amazing. The The beat is great. And, and it gets you into the mood and then he goes into singing really nicely at the beginning and as you say, then he soars and he gives it all again like an earth song and it's just, wow, it takes you all the way up there. It's yes. amazing. It really, It really takes you there. If you listen, if you pay attention, that song takes you places. Absolutely agree.
0: Couldn't agree more.
8: Hey, this is Brad Sundberg, studio engineer and technical director for Michael Jackson and host of In the Studio with MJ. You're listening to the MJ cast.
0: Jason, hit me with your most underappreciated Michael songs of all time.
3: Oh, there's, there's, there's a few. As you have some, I have a couple too. All right. Well, I think um, one of mine is On The Line. That song is actually from the movie with Spike Lee. It's at the end of the movie and the credits, right?
0: I've never seen the film, but I know it's from the movie. I
3: rented it because I wanted to see where the song was, and it wasn't up, up until the end, just as a credits roll, the song comes out. And then, you know, you get the song in the Ultimate Collection, then you get it there, and, and you hear the song. It's stereo, really nice, how it's supposed to be. And it's another song just like uh, We've Had Enough. So I think it could be a part two of We've Had Enough because Mm. he starts really nice. The first line of the song kills you right away with his vocals and his runs. He starts doing a little run. He wasn't much to do runs, but when he did them, he could do them. And he did that there, and then the song grows and grows and grows also, and it takes you places too. Uh, but that also the message, it's is a similar message. That while we've had enough it's about, about war, on the line, it's just it's t- t- trying to make you feel better and n- never give up. That's what that song is yes. about.
0: Yeah, it's very positive, isn't it? It's very uplifting. It's one of the only songs that Michael worked on uh, with Babyface, the uh, writer. Yeah,
3: and it's one of those songs that you hear it and then you you get the lyrics uh, and what he's meaning and time passes by and that's what happened to me. Then I thought later on that he was talking or he said some things in that song and I go back to the song to make sure that he said that in the song and he didn't. But he kind of tried to say it though, (laughs) but in my head the lyrics changed to whatever fit me, Uh, but he actually never said that in the song, but the meaning was the same though. But yeah, it, it, that kind of, that was kind of weird for me. That but that it happened to me though.
0: <laughs> very very special. It's it's and it's the lyrics are really like um quite open, so they can they can mean yes. a lot of things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. I think so.
3: Yeah, but the message yeah. is the same. Never give up.
0: Never give up. That's right.
3: Yep. Another one of those songs uh, that I like a lot that not many people even know about is, for example, the "She's Out of My Life" demo. That one is pretty interesting because uh, yes. it came out on the "This Is It" um, album as an extra. Yeah, and um, it, it's just it was it was weird for me because you know it's very famous that in the album he sa- sung it, and they say that he cannot stop crying at the end right and that's why they left that section in the very end when he's crying but then you hear the demo version and he just breezes through the ending like nothing so i don't understand <laughs> how in the demo he was able to do it but not in the actual recording uh of it i don't know i don't understand they could have used the demo recording and placed it on top of the other one so that you know if he couldn't really finish it the day of the recording they could have pasted it in there and i guess they decided not to do that for whatever reason. But it sounds amazing with the guitar. It really gives you... If, if you like to play the guitar, you can really hear there how to play the song with the guitar. It's really nice. It's just a really nice song. It's stripped down. And, and then you can actually hear the ending of the song the way it's supposed to be in that demo.
0: Yeah, it's very, very sweet. And the um acoustic guitar they have as well behind the song is takes it... Oh, it I wouldn't say it's better than the one on Thriller. Um, sorry, on Off the Wall but it's definitely very different. And yeah. If you want a different dimension to the song, it's really good.
3: Definitely, yes. Another demo that I really enjoy is the Girl is Mine demo, which is not it's not released or, or anything, but it's, it's online. You can Google it or go to YouTube, find it there, uh, especially when he's in that deposition because he's trying to tell the people and explain to the lawyers how to make a song and how he goes through with songs and creating them. And I just love that video. I really have watched it a couple times on how he's trying to explain, look, it's going to change here. You see how the key changes there and then you go to the bridge. (laughs) And it's just amazing. And I really enjoy the sounds in that demo because he added some stuff that is not in the final section. I don't know why they sound pretty amazing. And he decided to change some of the instruments for the final version. So I actually enjoy whatever he took off. I like it. I would like for them to release a version with those <laughs> yeah. sounds in there because those extra sounds really made a difference in the song.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's my least favorite Michael Jackson song
3: because you us. did not hear the actual version. <laughs> you heard the one with <laughs> Paul McCartney, and probably Michael changed it to fit Paul McCartney's voice or whatever. I think you, yeah. you need to listen to the
0: demo, and maybe you would think differently. I love it. I love the. It's. I wouldn't really classify it as a demo. It's. It's definitely like. It's a deposition. Like, he's he's literally sitting on the stand in a courtroom yeah. being quizzed about how he wrote <laughs> yes. music. And, um, yeah, like you say, he's, he's explaining the writing process behind the song. And I enjoy it way more than the actual version on Thriller, even though it's <laughs> in a courtroom and he's singing into a court microphone. But um, it is amazing, uh the vocal delivery. So, yeah, definitely very underappreciated. I agree with you.
3: Yeah, I think people should go and, and, and listen to it and so they can see the difference, just for the fun of listening to the differences. And another one that I know you're going to hate me for it, but is <laughs> <it's> the <laughs> second part of this song, is the remix on the Thriller 25 Album. I I know nobody likes those remixes, but this version of that remix, actually, it's catchy. It's very catchy, and it gets in my head, and I do sing the song the way it's in there. And plus, I liked that they added some Michael's vocals. Sometimes he yells really loud, and I'm amazed on how he can just do a, ah! And it sounds great. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, it's it's amazing. And he changed some of the verses uh, and the melodies on those verses, too. Uh, I just maybe that's why I like it too because uh, you can hear different ways of Michael singing the song, and that, that's why I like it. Plus, I, I like the beat and and it, it's kind of dumb whatever the rapper is, sings, but it's okay. Uh, it's it's a remix, but it's enjoyable. I I, I like the beat. Yeah. So. You could listen to that one, maybe try to hear those vocals of Michael, and maybe you start liking it and not hating so much. I didn't like the other remixes as much, especially the one with Fergie. But, uh, you know, there's another one that I actually like a lot in the same remix section, which is a Pyt version of uh, in remix because they took the demo version of Michael Jackson instead of the one that Michael had in the album. They remixed yep. the demo of Michael. That is really strange, but that's what they did. They went ahead and remixed the demo, uh, which is a very uh, nice melody. It's a it's a ballad, and I, yes. I think I like Pyt as a ballad more than as a, as a dancing. Me too. But I am I'm okay with either or. Because I guess if it's in my mood, if I want to dance, then I, I play P.Y.T. And if I want to just be mellow, uh, I, then I would play the, the other version. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a good version also the remix. So it's it's in my it's in my underrated. Uh, not so much, but you could listen. Those are songs that I wouldn't call underrated as much. It's just that there are some good versions out there that most people haven't heard. That I think they deserve a listen and to to be enjoyed. Agreed. Yeah, changing tracks, uh, going back to the 90s to go to A Stranger in Moscow. I think that song Mm. is pretty well known by the fans, the hardcore fans. But not many people don't know this song, especially the casual ones. Uh, I just like the beat of the song, you know, the... I just like that. I like the way Michael dances it in history, uh, in the history tour, uh, with the light at the end. Um, The sounds, the voice... It just it's just really nice, and and the way his the, the things he says in there. Anyway, um, another one of those songs that I really like is Morphine. Morphine is underrated. Nobody nobody knows about it. People started knowing about it until he passed away because they started relating it with uh, his passing, of course, because he talks about that drug, and and I think it's very creepy when you when you think about it like that because he knew about this stuff since back then, you know. And then he expresses in the song what he felt and 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 why he liked it and, and what it made him feel and the state of mind he went into. It's very it's very strange that song. I don't know how to describe it because I think it's very personal for him to have written a song like that and put it out. I mean, he actually put it out. It's not one of those that he kept in the back. He actually put it out there. And I don't really know. I would like to know for people who got that version, uh, that song back then. What did they think about it when they first heard it? Did they understand it, or they just thought Michael let his imagina- imagination go and just wrote a song? Uh, I don't know. What do you do? You have any f- thoughts about
0: this song? Aside from musically, like I, I love that it's like a mix between classical piano and industrial, like Nine Inch Nails rock. But in terms of the lyrics it's very eerie to listen to and it's very prophetic mm-hmm. and actually very sad yes it's sad because michael it's not like michael kept his drug abuse private mm-hmm. like right. he went to rehab for it it was very well publicized tours were canceled because of it and then he wrote a song in you know about it and all through the 2000s it was clear that michael was struggling with medication again and and obviously during this is it um and he even reached he even directly spoke to his fan base through this song about his struggles with, with um drug dependency. And I don't know, it's like I don't know. It's like what Karen Fay says on Twitter. It's like um so many people could have reached out that didn't. And and obviously Karen and people on, you know, involved in this is it did reach out and did try to help and did try to stop it. Um we knew about it. But um, how much we... I, I think a lot of us that that had heard Morphine and knew about Michael's drug dependency chose to actively, not ignore it, but like focus on what could be rather than what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a very sad, eerie song to listen to, yeah. Yes, and this song has a section
3: uh, at the very end, uh, almost to the end of the song, where Michael asks the question. And I don't know exactly what he's saying there, uh, but he's like asking do you know what I'm trying to say or do you have something else to say? I don't exactly know what he's saying. I've always had that because the song is the music is so loud at that moment that I don't really know what he's saying, but I, I want to know what he's saying. So if anybody knows out there what he's saying, uh, or maybe I have to ask Brad when I see him, what is Michael saying? Can you play the acapella version so I can hear what he says? Because I have no idea. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know either, admittedly, and I'm sure there's probably some listeners out there that do know. So make sure to hit up Jason at the MJ Cast in Espanol's Twitter account at the MJ Cast ESP. Let Jason know what Michael is saying at the end of that song, because there's probably people out there that know better than me.
3: <laughs> probably
0: so. All right. Uh, do you want me to talk about childhood, or can we skip that one? Oh, it's up to you. I think it's a sweet. It's a really nice, sweet orchestral song. I, I. It's probably one of those ones I'm going to appreciate a bit more later in life, maybe. I don't know. At the moment, it's definitely not a song I ever really put on. I appreciate its beauty, mm-hmm. um, but it's a little bit schmaltzy for me. Uh, I'm probably going to get a thousand hate emails now. But <laughs> it's it's so true, though. Like, it's so introspective and real about Michael's own childhood. And I'm very glad he recorded it so that we can learn more about his childhood but uh, for me, it's it feels a little bit out of place on the history album. I don't know. Not I'm not a huge fan. I'm sorry. I know that's an unpopular opinion. Well,
3: yeah, but, I like the song because, uh, well, Michael himself said it several times. You want to know about me, listen to childhood, right? Yes. So you yep. go back and listen to the song. And yeah, he actually expresses there what he feels, how... Uh, nobody understands him. That's actually literally what he says in there. And I like his singing when he talks about pirates and adventure, how his voice conveys that feeling like like pirates. He even says it like that, like with that emotion. yeah, and uh, yes. the orchestra is amazing. the it's very mellow. so I guess you have to be in the mood or you have to be in that nostalgic mood yourself. Um, to really appreciate the song. It's not one song that you're playing, oh, I love it. It's not like that. It's more (laughs) like, you know, oh, let me listen. I'm feeling kind of right now, you know, a little sad. And then you put childhood and then you're like, yeah, I miss my childhood too, (laughs) you know? It's it's (laughs) one of those songs. Uh, You have to be in the mood for it. Uh, But it it is catchy a little bit though. Uh, Sometimes I catch myself singing the melodies on this this song.
0: It's a very sweet.
3: Yeah, very sweet song. Uh, do you know the story with it? I think he had the uh, cor- the uh, the chorus singing the song and then he went into it and he sang it in one take. Is that the story?
0: Yeah, I've uh, heard that. I think that's one of the stories Brad Sunderberg says in his seminar. Oh, wow. But I haven't I haven't heard the actual story as told by Brad, but I know it's something you're going to hear probably when you go.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think I, I read something like that somewhere. So that's amazing that he was able to deliver like that in one take. Hmm. If if he, if he indeed did that,
0: yeah, it's it's very. He had such immense talent.
3: Blood on the dance floor is another song that I, well, you said it was pretty well known, but I I didn't know it myself until I bought the mm. record actually. Uh, so very the the beat the beat kills me. I can just dance to it all night mm. long, and Michael himself said this is gonna be a hit. He thought it was gonna be a number one. Uh, Fortunately, was not released like that in America. But it was—it it is a great song to dance to. I really, it really, just another Billy Jean for me.
0: Mmm, it's a really hard-hitting beat. Yes, I think Teddy Riley worked on it as well. That brought it to that level that it went to. Yeah, so it's got a, it's got a pretty Latin flavor to it as well, doesn't it? There's the video.
3: The video shows him playing the maracas in there. <laughs> yes, so yeah. and then dancing like the like tango and something like that. Yeah, so but I don't hear in the song itself <laughs> Latin instruments. <Yeah. laughs> But uh, I like the beat so much. I think, I mean, if you want to dance, you can put this on. I really want to listen to the song like in a club. I want to hear how it sounds with those big speakers. Because with my speakers at home, they don't give me that, that that only my earphones do. But if I listen to it at work, for example, I can't start dancing. Uh, (laughs) So I hate it uh, when it comes on when I'm at work. But uh, I want to listen to it at the club or something.
0: Yeah, it's very funky. It's very. Good. I like listening in my car. Actually, my favorite place to listen to that song is in the car because I've got pretty good car speakers. So awesome! It's got a lot of. It's got a really hard hitting bass line.
3: Yes, yeah, it's just great to dance. Another one of those songs that I really like. It's on the Ultimate Collection album. That's why that is my favorite of all of them because it has everything and more that's a great that's one of the few things at the state I actually enjoy having and i would buy it again because it's just amazing it has everything you need to know about michael plus the demos and, and the actual concert i mean come on they actually that is the ultimate collection for me actually <laughs> and fall again is in that it's in that album uh, in that collection it's a really nice song and and I, again i repeat the stereo sound of it is just amazing. It makes me feel like that should have been an "Invincible," you know, because it sounds so good. But it does have some lyrics that is not finished, and 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 that's how Michael wrote his song Sometimes he just uh, make up the lyrics later. But you, there are some sections without lyrics. But he just humbles or, or you know, uh, but I like that. I even I even enjoy that kind of stuff when when he was trying to make up words for it. I, I don't mind. There's another song like that, "Beautiful Girl," in the same. Uh, Ultimate Collection There, he doesn't even say anything in some sections but his his voice his melodies and in in the back is like that as well yes exactly they're all like that but just his voice sounds so good I mean if I try to do that I sound like an idiot but he (laughs) goes with the melody perfectly well and it if you want to imagine words in there you could imagine them because it's so easy because he's giving you the melody with his voice
0: yeah it's it's a great song it's probably my Mm, it's hard to choose between that and in the back, mm-hmm. but I would say it's mm, probably up there with one of the demos. I think Michael really should have completed and needed to, but I don't know why he didn't, but it's like, that's such a special, amazing song. Why was that not completed? Right. Like he, he, somebody else went on to complete that song. I can't remember who, but I think it's a another R&B singer who actually finished that song. You can hear the finished version of it even though it's not Michael's voice and it's in a movie. Like I was shocked when I, when I saw this movie, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's really, really cheesy and like typical romantic comedy, but it's got um, Jennifer Lopez in it. And um, uh, what's it called again? Made in Manhattan. It's in there. And I'm not joking with you. I watched Made in Manhattan a few months ago with my wife and it's in the last bit of the movie. There's like a, a scene, like a party, like an evening party and then the song starts playing, and I'm like, "Oh my god, why is there a rare Michael Jackson song demo thing in this movie?" <laughs> and it's like another artist sings "Fall Again" in the movie. I'm not wow. kidding.
3: I gotta go um, watch it now.
0: <laughs> you gotta go see it. It's yes. a. Uh, have you seen the movie? Yes, but I never noticed that. It's the best. It's the ultimate movie to watch with your wife. Like it is the <laughs> best romantic comedy. So, um, anyway, anyway, anyway. So it's got it's got "Fall Again" in it, and it's you can hear it as a completed song even though Michael's not singing. Mm. And it just makes you think like, why didn't he finish this? It's so good. Mm. I think it was written by Robin Thicke. You yes, know, um, yes he, he was. He did a song with Pharrell. He actually has his own finished version. Does he? Yes. Oh, well, it's not his in the movie. It's um, just while you're talking, I'm going to Google now. I'm going to see if I can find it.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. Robin Thick made, made his own is. version. Uh, it's on it's on YouTube too, but it doesn't sound as good. Actually, uh, you, I would yeah. prefer the Michael Jackson unfinished version than Robert Thicke's, But he makes you know his own stuff in there. Plus, it's his song, so whatever. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Okay, it was sung by um, the version on Made in Manhattan is sung by uh, a guy called Glenn Lewis.
3: Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Gotta look it up now. <laughs> So those three songs fall again in the back and beautiful girl. I think it's a little set of great demos that were not finished, and you can clearly hear, you know, the the lack of lyrics on it. But just how Michael hums and how he says that he pronounces those melodies, it's just it's just really amazing. It just tells you how great he was, and easily of course he could put lyrics on top of that once you know the the music was done. And but I, I just like the the way he worked like that because I never heard any other artist. That does that, but he he did it, and you can you can get to hear it, and it's really special. Plus, the songs sound really really great, even like that.
0: Well, I tell you what, Jason, if you like if you really like Michael songs with incomplete lyrics, where it's like work in progress stuff, you are going to be. Blown away one day when the stuff comes out that Michael recorded in the last three years of his life, mm. because there is so much material like that that he worked on with Brad Buxer and Michael Prince. I can't wait. So much stuff. <laughs> you know which way? <laughs> I even like Billie
3: Jean Unfinished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he had his demo out also with Billie Jean Unfinished, and and he doesn't say anything, but the way he says it, the way he pronounces it, the way he sings it, it's just good. You could use that that sound in the actual song if you want to.
0: Do you like um, the demo of Be Starting Something? Because that's got some pretty crazy unfinished lyrics. <laughs> I, I don't think I've heard it. Uh, go listen to that because the lyrics in that are like, they, they have the same uh, syllables and sounds that Michael wanted to have with the finished lyrics, but he's just mumbling and making up words pretty much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I like the mumbling because it sounds great. And, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I think it sounds great for me because, you know, English is my second language. So yes. sometimes I don't really pay attention to lyrics that much. So in my brain yeah. he might be saying words, you know, but he, yeah. since he's singing, the mumble is being sung. It just sounds perfect to me. Like you don't need to add anything. Yeah. Sometimes I, I <laughs> had to go back because you know, then I would read, oh, this unfinished song uh, that he put in the album. I'm like, is that unfinished? I don't, I don't remember. Then I go back and listen. I'm like, oh yeah, he's not saying anything there. <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> but yeah, I think that it works for me that I that I speak Spanish first <laughs> because uh, the song the songs just work. You were mentioning early about the the Once album and the fact that Break of Dawn is in that album. Yeah, and well, One More Chance is also in there, and that's that's a great great moody song. I think you can. It's also Mm. about moods. A lot about my songs with Michael. It's about my moods. I have to feel it. I like One More Chance a lot.
0: Me too. It's, it's, it's got a special place in my heart.
3: Yeah, One More Chance sounds great. And, and for some reason, I don't know if you noticed. I, mean, I know you did. Uh, it's really interesting. and I really love the little tidbit of him repeating a syllable, right? Which part? There's a section where he's singing and he repeats the syllable. He says, let me make this mystery sound so... You know? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought that was a mistake. You think so? How do they, They're kind of going to have a mistake in, the, in an album. It sounds to me like a the, the vocal skipping. Yeah. Like um like this like a well, skipping scene. Is that a
3: mistake? Obviously, Michael is a perfectionist. And obviously he <laughs> didn't sing it like that. But maybe maybe it was a mistake later, or maybe the, the producer decided to play around. You know, Michael liked to do to yeah. play around with sounds, and maybe they yeah. played with that effect and, and he liked it and he left it in that only in only that part of the song and any other song, I think. But I just love that little section. It's crazy. It's, it's just one second, not, not even a second. But I would really enjoy that part of that song.
0: Yeah, it definitely stands out to me. It's it, it doesn't feel bad. Like when I say mistake, it's probably the wrong word. When it I, doesn't feel like, oh, that's a bad thing. It's just it's very unique and interesting, yeah. whatever it is, whether it was on purpose or...
3: <laughs> when I
0: sing it, I sing it with that in it. So Yeah, yeah. That's how I sing it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So it's great. if you if you if you want to go listen to that little section, it's actually I can have it right here.
0: <clears throat> what time code is
3: that? it's it's on one twenty eight around and around that section That's when he does it. It uh, sounds amazing. it's It's interesting. and and when you sing it,
0: you try to sing it. I, I dare you to try to sing that section. <laughs> I'm not trying to sing nothing. but <laughs> if I want people to listen to that one minute twenty eight of one more chance, add us on Twitter. At the MJ Cast, tell me whether you think that's a recording error, like a like a a skipping track, or whether you think that's intentional. Because uh, I want to know what you think about it. It's very interesting and unique. That little part he like repeats um, the little "r" syllable in in the word "mysteries." Yeah. Mister Mister Rerise. It's a cool. great song, but like I I remember that song. That's the first song. That came out when I was a Michael Jackson fan as an official single, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember I remember catching the train into Brisbane and buying the One More Chance CD single, which had multiple versions on it, including remixes. And uh, that that's very special to me because that's the only song that I remember ever coming out um, as a single mm. from Michael Jackson during my time as a fan. Apart from I think Wanna Be starting Something 2008 may have been some kind of single, but wasn't a real Michael Jackson song this was the only real Michael Jackson song that that came out when I was a fan as a single I love it
3: great great then you love it and then you love the tidbit there great great stuff I do. yes uh, <laughs> get on the floor is another one of my favorite songs this is back to happy Michael you could hear it in his voice you could hear it in the song you could hear it in everything and then the song playing playing it loud it, you can't stop to move your feet and get up and dance this is one one for the club definitely dance on the floor is amazing i love the the instruments in it the way they they, the music soars, the way he smiles and laughs in it it's just an amazing really great song that doesn't get played that much
0: that laugh when he laughs in it it's just this moment of pure joy Mm -hmm. oh it's great to hear him like that so happy
3: I also laugh like that when I when I'm singing it. So <laughs> I, I copy everything he does. I just exactly do it the same way. <laughs> so I laugh at the same moment <laughs> all the time. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, very great, 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 great song. It's one of my favorites. And in that album also, uh, off the wall, you can you have I can't help it. Ah, oh, it's it's one very, of the best tracks. Yes, his voice. I just love uh, you know his delivery. He's perfect, smooth. Uh, it's just crisp i don't know how to say what is the a great word to describe the clearness of your voice
0: crisp yeah it's it's very clear very very clear
3: yeah you can hear every word it's just perfect perfect delivery and that's what you i'm
0: for. i'm regretting not putting that in my list now you
3: should you should man <laughs> yeah it's just an amazing song
0: have you heard the um when michael passed away have beyonce on her world tour at that time did a tribute to Michael Jackson and sung that that song. Mm, Have you heard that?
3: I probably did but I remember.
0: Oh, she, yeah, she does a great job of it too. It's a stunning track that really doesn't get a, enough recognition. It's I think it I've heard it described as um the really the only or the the only time Michael sung a proper jazz record or jazz song. Oh, yeah. And and him and Quincy Jones really uh experimented a lot with with that sound and, and did a great job on it.
3: Yeah, the music is also amazing. Yeah, the instruments, it really, it's really very stereo. I can't believe that it's that old, but it sounds so good in your speakers, like and, and in yes. and in your earphones. It really em- takes you into an environment. It's just crazy. It's a great song. Um, from there, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a few years <laughs> and go to the dangerous era. You know. Beautiful, dangerous era. A lot of people love, a lot of people hate. But Who Is It this is one of those songs that it's in that album. And it's, I think it's one, this is one of my favorites. I sing it a lot. Uh, it's stuck in my head a lot. Uh, and I just like his delivery too. Because um, I don't know what he's talking about sometimes. <laughs> he blames a lot of people for whatever is going on. Then you see the video, you get even more confused. <laughs> but it's great a great video, great video though. though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very underrated video, by the way. Yes. Also, none, they don't play that anywhere. But it's great. It's a great song. I like how I I I yell when he yells, you know, when when he goes all the way up there, I'm up there, and it's easy for me to sing that one actually. Believe it or not, but that's one of the ones I can sing easily.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a very good song. It's I I I don't know what plans he had for it when it was coming out. I I I have read somewhere that it was. Coming out as a single at one point, um, did it come out as a single? I, I, it must have if it was a video, maybe in Europe. Because I, I think what happened was I'm just researching now that it. W- oh, that's right. It, I don't think it was going to be a single, but then when Michael sung it on Oprah um, mm-hmm. as an a cappella, that Sony decided, look, it's got to come out as a single because it was it was on Oprah and it was such a big. You know, it hit when it came out there, just watching him beatbox. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally wrong. It did come out as a single. I'm looking at it now. It's it's uh, came out on a lot of different versions, maxi single with yeah. heaps of remixes, and uh, it actually charted as well quite well in Australia. It reached number 34 on the charts, and in the US it reached on the Billboard Hot 100 f- number 14
3: who is it and he he beatbox in the song too and you can hear it by the end it's by the end it's it's it, you got to pay attention but it's there and i really like that beat that's the beatboxing that i really enjoy the most because he does it in other albums and in other songs but i really enjoyed the way that one goes i think it's easy to do um but not not the way he does it in, in opera though he puts more emphasis in there i think uh than he does yeah. in the album mmm mm-hmm it's weird, <laughs> but I, I, I like the beatbox in there.
0: I just, it blows my mind even today when I watch the Oprah bit, how he is able to beatbox that and sing like at the same time. It's yeah. insane.
3: Yeah. It's crazy. He, he
0: Michael really in general, doesn't get a lot of recognition for his uh, ability as a beatboxer. Right. Um, there's a great segment of him beatboxing. You've probably seen it from uh, the mid '90s, from the history era. He's like did a TV special or something with Diane Sawyer, I think. And he's like sitting in the recording studio beatboxing. Oh, Tabloid wow. junkie. I can't do that one. <laughs> I've tried. I can't
3: beatbox that one.
0: I just want a whole album of Michael beatboxing and singing <laughs> over the beatboxing. You should like,
3: have done an <laughs> album of just beatboxing. Yes. Or you know how, oh, no. how they do these a cappellas with where the singers uh, they do all the sounds in the songs. Yeah, he should have done one like that easily.
0: Oh man, can you imagine like just an EP or something like a if he had just released an EP of just beatbox and acapella versions of his songs? Oh my god,
3: or new songs, yes. <laughs> yeah. But he used it to describe the sounds he wanted in the songs to the engineers, so he wasn't thinking about it like, oh, this is great, I'm gonna use this for my. No, he no, I'm gonna use this to describe to to these guys, and he probably used it when he was. He couldn't contain himself, probably, when he was on the booth, yeah. and and then the engineers liked it and just left it. I don't know. There's so many options that could happen there. But it
0: was like a tool for him. It wasn't like a yes. Some people beatbox professionally. That's their instrumentation. That's that's what they do. For Michael, it was a way to convey. Right. Well, I want I want this drum sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Legend. Legendary,
3: beatboxing. Uh, this time around. I don't, I don't, I don't have any fun stories with this time around. I just like it a lot, so I'm gonna delete that one. <coughs> you're deleting it. I like that song. <laughs> when you tell her that? I don't have any. <laughs> Sorry, fun this stories time around, you're out.
10: <laughs> I
3: mean, I like <laughs> it and it's underrated, but I don't have any stories about it. I just like it. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that I just like that he says this time around I'm taking no shit. That's all I like.
0: Yeah, that's like the, that song and um <laughs> scream. I like the first time I think Michael swore on record. <laughs> that song was cool because it has a really hard-hitting urban hip-hop sound. And I think it's the first time Oh, well, I guess you've got all the stuff on Dangerous, like the New Jack stuff. But on History, he, with money and this time around, he really went into like a hip-hop territory. Mm-hmm. And um, it's gangster. It's bad. <laughs> <That's> gangster. <laughs> uh, well, who's the rapper in that song? Uh, Notorious B.I.G., I think. Uh, what
3: does he sing? Uh, is that is that the song where he sings, uh, My friends, you're my friend, leave you're robbing me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because he's, he's rapping about like people taking
3: advantage of him. I used that, that, that lyric so many times in my life. I'm like,
0: damn friends, they're robbing me. <laughs> and I just got that <laughs> from that song. <laughs> I love that rap. It's underrated. I think there needs to be a... I don't know if Jenkins has done one yet on Moonwalk Talks. I think he may have, but there should be an, a, a podcast episode just on all the rap, like on all the rap mm, sections right. in Michael's songs yeah. and who he worked with. Well, let me, let me
3: reintroduce the song then, and then you paste all this on top of <laughs> <Sorry>. that. <laughs> I'm that. not letting it die. <laughs> we actually <laughs> talked about it. Uh, well, <laughs> all right. Let me put it back then. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> and that album is also Too Bad. You can't You can't not listen to Too Bad. This is another great song about when you want to try to defend yourself, you either sing This Time Around or Too Bad, you know? People are trying <laughs> to accuse you or whatever either you're just one of those two too bad uh, and too bad he says what did he say too bad too bad about it so you know when people are just there telling me things and like they're complaining that's what i say well too bad about it <laughs> and it comes from this song believe me <laughs>
0: sometimes i even sing it <laughs> people don't even know what i'm saying this guy is breaking out into song
3: (laughs) yes i i I do that a lot people don't know why i'm singing it but but i sing it so (laughs) it's right there it's from that song and the the rap with shaquille o'neal uh even though he's not a you know considered not a good rapper he does a good job here and i like how he said mj and the thriller i I like that section too so i'm okay with that you know i don't need shaquille o'neal in all of the songs or any more songs but he did a good job here
0: so that's great Plus, that's great. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a great song. Great song. It's great in Ghosts as well. Like it's, uh, they really foreground the vocals in Ghosts, and it's it's very funky and delivered really well. Um, I I actually think it's uh, quite interesting lyrically as well. Like there, it's very cryptic. Mm-hmm. I I would love. I've said it before, but if I could ask Michael any questions, um, if I had an opportunity to have dinner with Michael and ask him any questions. It would be. I want to. I want to know the the meaning behind the song. Too bad because those lyrics you can't. I can't read into them. They're so cryptic.
3: Well, this this song. Too bad. You know, with well, the first time I heard it in 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 the history album, I, I thought, oh wow, this is a uh, part two of bad. So I was expecting the same sounds, you know, <laughs> or at least like a part two of it. Yeah, exactly like that. But no, you hear the song and it's not at all like that. If it is anything like like bad, is like the end of the song or on the video when he is just a cappella yelling stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. If
3: anything, yeah. it's like a continuation of that section, but it really has nothing to do with the actual
0: bad single. Do you think it was titled Too Bad purposely to like make people think it's like connected to the original bad? Uh, well, it, it did trick me. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, and I thought it was just a tri- uh, uh, a smart way to say bad part two. You know, you just put yeah, too yeah. bad, but I, I don't know. But the song, it doesn't matter. Once you hear the song and... and and you like, you know, the things, the way he delivers. Yeah, I don't think there's much of a connection anymore. Anyways, jumping a few years ahead, I got 2,000 watts. I don't hear a lot of people talk about this song. Uh, if anything, people complain about it. <laughs> I don't know why. This song is really interesting for me. Because once I got the Invincible album, you know, I play the song and... and Everybody knows this, right? How his tone of, tone of voice changed in this song. Some people think it was done intentionally in with the program. Some people say this is Michael Jackson's actual voice. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think it's altered digitally. Digital. I don't know. Some, I've heard some people say it's not. Hmm. I think even Teddy Riley. I don't know. Some people have come out and said that that's Michael singing without any digital adjustment. But to me, it just feels like it's too low for Michael's register. Like I know he could sing low and he could well, speak Well, I think low. there
3: are versions on, on YouTube where people altered it back to a different pitch. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you can, you, you'd be interesting for you to listen to that, to see what you yeah. think. Um, this song, I heard it in that album, as I said, and I actually, I thought that he was featuring some other singer. <laughs> I, I really was like, oh, he, he's in another he's singing with somebody else. Well, that's cool. But then the voice kind of stayed the same for a couple of verses. I'm like, when is Michael gonna sing? You know? And <laughs> then I keep listening and listening. And then little by little by the middle of the song when he starts yelling and emphasizing sentences, I'm like, wait, that emphasizing is very Michael esque. That is Michael. <laughs> so that means is that does that mean that the person before was Michael? Or what is going on here? I thought it was NSYNC at the beginning, actually. Oh. Somehow, why, I don't know why. I thought, oh, that sounds like NSYNC. And, 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 but then later on, I'm like, oh, my, my God, that's Michael. So does that mean that Michael can sound exactly like the current bands playing out there? That's what I thought. <laughs> he does. If he wanted to sound like them, he could. But he chose not to. He He just chooses to sing in another tone. But that's the first time I heard it. Now, I still don't know whether that was himself or if he was... Altered. If he was himself, then that's exactly what it means that Mike could, could really sing like any other artist out there, you know, and do a great job at it.
0: Yeah, I for me, it, I'm going to disagree with you on this one a little bit. I don't think it's, uh, I don't know, I don't really. I, li- I like the groove, like the bass line and the um, instrumentation. It's, it's hard hitting. It's yeah. it's cool. It's funky. It's it gets it's it's got a lot of energy to it. But I don't feel like it. I think I actually think this might be a bit controversial, but I think Invincible would have been a better album without it.
10: I'm sorry, Jason.
0: I really I think it's. it's okay. It feels like filler to me. It feels like it's. It's. Um. I don't know. I just. I just think it's a little bit like. It's first of all the voice is too different. It's like the only song Michael ever recorded in his entire career that's that low in that register mm-hmm. and it feel it just doesn't feel like it's got his character in right. it for me. And I and I I just it would have been great as a B-side like Shout. Um it was a B-side on Cry single, but for yeah, for me it's too different and a little bit gimmicky. Mm. Um to 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 have been on Invincible. It was a very long album anyway. Yeah. And I think it, it could have been a B-side, I, but I, sorry, it's the only one I really disagree with you. <laughs> so far,
3: I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, it makes perfect sense, but I have this connection with it because I thought, you know, in the, yes, I went all the yeah. way to think he could sound like and sing. He could sound like the Backstreet Boys, you know, when I first heard the song. So for me, it was very special, and I thought if they released this single on the radio, people would have no clue that this is Michael Jackson and that Michael Jackson can <laughs> sound like this. And they would probably love this song if it's on the radio without even knowing that this is Michael.
0: Well, and actually, I I rem- like I'm song. clearly in the in the minority because I remember when, around the time when Invincible was coming out and in the 2000s, a lot of fans put together uh, kind of like fake concerts where so they would put it like <laughs> the Invincible tour concert on YouTube and places like that where they would get the Invincible songs and put crowd noise and stuff right. behind them. And I'll, I remember a lot of people saying that 2,000 Watts would have been the perfect song to open an Invincible World Tour with. Mm. Um, it's an interesting song. It's just very different to what I...
3: Well, that, that's my only connection with it, that I thought on the radio would fool a lot of people and probably would grab a lot of people into Michael's world just because of that song. And and the the dancing, you know, I'm, always, I'm all about the dancing. So the middle the midsection would you dance... I could do the choreography for that section because it's so easy to dance to that song. And and, and I tried to listen to at 2,000 watts. I, I don't think there's much of a difference.
0: <laughs> you may now apply your 3D glasses.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So don't try at 2,000 watts. I don't think there's much of a difference if you try to listen to this at 2,000 watts. It will just destroy your ears. <laughs>
0: 2,000 watts at 2,000 watts. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Maybe it's the only way to enjoy the song. I don't know. <laughs> in this
3: uh, album, Invincible has a lot of songs that many people haven't really paid attention to. Uh, yes. Another one of those is uh, Speechless. Speechless is a great, great, great song. And I think it's about my wife. One of my wife's favorites uh, because you know the way it starts. Very. It starts with a capella. It ends with a capella. Yes. You know. So I don't know about that capella. For me, it didn't do much. Uh, I know you're going to hate me for that, but eh, I could have done without a cappella or maybe I thought he could have done a much better job with that a cappella. But it sounded very uh, raw for him to do it
0: like that. And
3: Mm.
5: I
0: don't know. Q Q loves it. It's one of Q's favorite songs. I know that. Really? That section? Yeah, just the song. Yeah, in general. Oh, I'm talking about that little section.
3: I I think he could have improved it a little bit. Mm. But I think he, just like uh, the other song from uh, what was the other song we were talking about earlier? Mm. Childhood? The Lady, She's Out of My Life. Just like that song, the She's Out of My Life, you know, where where he cries at the end. Maybe here yes, he yeah. felt, uh, this is me and this is how I want it to sound. Uh, I just think it could sound better. But after that, um, you know you know how it happens. The chorus comes in, the orchestra comes in, it takes you all the way up there. And you don't even imagine that going to happen <laughs> when he starts singing a cappella, you know? Yeah, that's right. So it's really, it, it takes you places, you're, you're listening, you're like, what, 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 are, what's going on? Where these all these people came from? How is he able to mix the very it, simple instrumental to a whole orchestra and a chorus and then like, bring it down again? It's just an amazing, great song. Yeah. I, I think this is just, it should have, it should have been a single. I don't know if people would have received it,
0: but, it could have been a single for me i don't know it it's a great wedding song probably like i i had it at my wedding and it's really it's really good for those kind of moments like official sort of um romantic sort of moments and vi- in videos it would be a really really good a song in a movie i think mm. um it's great
3: invincible also comes with the song threatened you know Yes, it's, it's I just I, that song I didn't like. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I did not like "Threaten" because I just thought, ah, this is just a copy, of th- a copy of "Thriller." I didn't like the voice of the guy from the "Twilight" song in there. I th- I thought it didn't go. I-, I thought they didn't mix it well at the end with the echo. I thought they could have done a much better echo. <laughs> I thought it, it was very long the introduction with his voice, and I just didn't really enjoy the song that much. Uh, I like the lyrics though in it. I always appreciated the lyrics on it. Um, But other than that, I didn't like it. But then I watched the movie, This Is It, and how they mix thriller with Threatened in
0: the end. Mm. And I heard it there in the theater. And it sounded spectacular. One of our first um, specials that we actually did was um, the Tommy Organ special. And I spoke to him on that show about um, the the, the moment you're talking about performing Threatened um, on stage. For this is it rehearsals and it's got a much more distorted guitar sort of funky rock sound to it and uh yeah that's the moment that i started really appreciating the song as well when i heard it in that different way on this is it
3: yeah exactly and then after that you go to the album and listen to that version and then you can't stop but hear and how you heard it in in the movie, and also Michael yes. danced to that section really nice. He played with his shoulders and went around, and it, it was very special. And and that I think that the the movie and, and him dancing to it really made made it come to life for me. And I enjoy now everything on that song, but it, it took a while for me to get into it. But it's really great once you hear it and see the video, yeah, then you then you start dancing to it.
0: I agree, and I think that's the criticism. A lot with um, a lot of the Rodney Jerkins songs on On Invincible is that they are very, very, very heavily produced. They've got an b- incredibly um, mechanical sort of overly produced sound to a lot of them, and then when you hear the songs in a little bit more of a rawer, uh, organic state, like Threatened, it's it's adds a uh, a lot more. It gives a, a bit more of a connection to the song with the, the listener. Correct. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. I love it.
3: I also have um, on that Escape album, you know, believe it or not, I do like a lot a Slave to the Rhythm. I just enjoy the way he delivered that song. For me, the delivery of the song is key because, again, he goes from nothing to everything. And I've tried to do the chorus and I, I can't stop but ripping my throat apart. He is yelling <laughs> like Slave to the Rhythm. He just goes crazy with the chorus. And it's very hard for me to sing that song if you have to yell. But Michael, as always and as usual, he can yell in a song and make it sound really nice. His yells are nice.
0: It's it's a very cool song. And when that when that leaked, uh, I remember just thinking, "Oh my god, how did this never come out?" Exactly, this song could have easily been a number one hit. Yeah, it's really cool. It's pretty dated. The original song, wouldn't you agree? Like the the original demo with uh, L. A. Reid, it's pretty old school.
3: It is old school, but. <laughs> Like then again, they're not giving us the stereo version. So I don't know how all
0: those little sounds that he put in it uh, were. It's it's old school. I don't mind old school music as long as it's like, I don't know, there's just something about it that I don't really like. There's like, I can't really repeat it. Like I can't sing it, but there's like a little uh, sort of like um, a, a synthesizer sound that goes all the way through the whole song. And it's just repeated so much that I just feel like it's it's overkill. Um let me play it. <clears throat> play a little bit of it. It's just that I actually really like the 2010 version, the Tricky Stewart version. I think that's my favorite. Uh, but the original version from the late 80s, it's just there's this little synth sound that goes through the whole thing, and it's just really annoying. It, exactly that bit. I just I can't stop focusing on that little bit. It's just too... It just draws my attention away from the rest of the song.
3: What's special for me about this song is, as I said, the delivery. And, and then you mentioned in this about being dated, but then again, he did not <laughs> actually release the song. So if he would have released it, let's say today, he probably would update those sounds. And the way this, this song, he record this song, I mean, for me, it's just impossible and incredible to think that he has a song that he delivered this way with so much passion and actually complete in the vault <laughs> you know how in the world yeah. you have this piece of jewel in the vault it's very incredible that he is able to have just a song yeah, i'm just going to put it there i'm not done with it yet but it's it's already it's already a treasure
0: it is and it's 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 another example of him recording really controversial concept and topics um definitely very uh, socially conscious. I mean, the song itself is about uh, a, a woman, I think, being treated terribly by uh, her husband. Right. Like being abused mm-hmm. in, in their relationship. So. He makes
3: a metaphor out of it and yeah. changes it to dancing. That's right. Yeah.
0: That's right. That's right.
3: It's a great very, song. Very, very cool song. Yeah. Great, great song. It deserves a listen. Maybe you would like the new version better because it sounds different. It has new sounds. Mm.
0: I like the 2010. One that didn't come out, the leak. Okay. Do you like the Justin Bieber one? (laughs) 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 That was big, man. That question. I'm I'm serious. (laughs) I know, like Damian Shields, especially loves that Justin Bieber version. Like it's and 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 I don't really like it that much. I'm not a big Justin Bieber fan, but you've got to admit, like when that came out, when that leaked, oh god, that was. I want to get to the bottom of what happened there. I mean, you've got two, two of the biggest male recording artists in, in history. Let's let's be honest. As much as we don't like Justin Bieber, <laughs> I don't really like him. You've got to admit he's like really yeah. at his peak right yeah, now with fame. He's good. Like, like, how did that happen? Like, I, I'm still I'm still convinced that the the Michael Jackson estate and Sony Music arranged for that to happen, and then tested the waters by purposely leaking it to see how. The fan base would respond to a Mm. duet like that. Right. That's what I I have my suspicions about that. And and the thing is, even though that song didn't come out as a single, it was being played on radio so much Hmm. in Australia. Even in Australia, on hit radio stations, people everyone was playing the Justin uh, Bieber and Michael Jackson "Slave to the Rhythm." I don't know why it didn't come out. I think I mean they eventually they repeated that formula with um. Love never felt so good. So, yeah, I mean, like, they did it again later, a duet between these two male acts that, you know.
3: Yeah. And uh, what I put as my last song, um, because I really enjoy this song, I like I like the vibe. Uh, I don't understand. I didn't know when I first heard it that it was not released anywhere else, and it makes no sense that it wasn't. <laughs> but this is a great song to dance, uh, and it would have fit perfectly in Off the Wall. It's the song Sunset Driver. I think this is a great song for dancing. It fits perfectly in that album. I don't know why it wasn't released then. And it should have been a hit. It should have been released as a single. What do you think?
0: I agree. I think it's similar to Hot Street for me. It's a song that had so much potential if it had been completed. And there's a lot of songs from Michael's career that it's like, why didn't you finish that? Like, so good. Um, It could have easily have replaced... uh, There's a couple of weak songs on Off The Wall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Girlfriend, in particular, is not great. And... um, also, it's The Falling in Love, I, I feel like, isn't a really super strong song.
3: I mean, comparing it with Sunset Driver, they're not strong at all.
0: No, exactly. I agree. I don't know why it wasn't finished. Maybe he thought, oh, I'm going to hold this one because it's so strong and finish it for Thriller.
3: Maybe.
0: Uh, but he didn't. So.
3: And this song is also in the, um, the Experience game. And you can dance it there, too. And it's pretty is fun. Is it really? It is. They included it in there. Wow. So, And it's pretty good. The, the step's pretty easy. Uh, very, very retro steps and very, and even the, the guy in the picture has retro clothing and stuff. And, um, and now I'm going to tell you uh, my ultimate song uh, song that everybody in the world should know about. Okay. It's also from the Invincible album. It's Whatever Happens featuring Carlos Santana. Mm. I think a lot of people actually say that this should have been a single, uh, but uh, not a lot of people know about it though. And I was very surprised to hear uh, when I first got the album that Santana was featuring in it. And, and then I, I go ahead and listen to the song and, and the whistle, you know, it's pretty great. Mm. Uh, it's uh, there's I have some things. This song has some things that I have un- unanswered yet. <laughs> so I don't know if you know the answers to this, probably not. But did you hear the claps Michael does in th- throughout the song? He keeps clapping. I, ca- I can't recall them, but he keeps I'm going to have to
0: go back and listen. clapping
3: and clapping. It, he doesn't stop clapping in this song up until the end. Like, he really, it's into this performance so much that you hear the claps. And another section that impressed me, it was that when Michael had a, a guest guitarist in his songs, like Slash or Eddie, you know, whatever, whoever he was, he would let them play. And he would step aside and you, you can just listen to the guitar, right? Yeah. Did he do that in whatever happened? He did not do that. Santana goes and does his section and Michael is yelling and yelling and yelling. He's like, I'm too excited about this. I can't stop but to make up more. You know, he he would improvise those things. He would go ahead and ad leave a lot of stuff on the top of Santana's section. I think he was just too excited about it. And sometimes I'm like, I would like for him to not do that so I can hear the the guitar really nicely. But I guess Michael just couldn't help himself but to ad-lib in those sections, which is fine. It's great. Uh, But it was just interesting to me that he would not let him have his moment. (laughs) I I guess he thought, you already have the Spanish guitar section. You already whistle. I already give you a lot. So let me just (laughs) ad-lib over
0: here (laughs) because it's so good. Uh, Yeah. I remember when I first bought the Invincible album. That is the song I listened to the most. Really, actually, and you never heard. the yeah, because I noticed some nodies that didn't that listen to play. I haven't listened to it a lot properly <laughs> in many many years because I like played it so much when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like as a like Latino? Oh my goodness! Guy, hearing this like this is the first time Michael ever really properly went all out with Latin music. Right. What was it like? Dude, I can
3: tell you, Santana is one of my favorite guitarists, right? Of course he is. And just to have him play with Michael is, like, amazing. It's like a historic moment for me to have both of the greatest for me playing in the song, you know? It's like having him with Freddie Mercury or having him with Paul McCartney. It's one of those things for me. And and I'm so happy and so glad and so thankful that they actually got to do that. When you hear the song in the album, uh, you think, you know, As usual, they got together and did it. But uh, later on, in while reading books, I figured that no, they did not. They were not together. Santana played his section in California and sent it over to Michael. So, uh, at the very end of the song, you know, I think this is the only time that Michael did that in any of the songs. He thanks Carlos Santana, right?
0: Yeah, he's like, "Thank you, Carlos." Thank you, Carlos. (laughs) At the very
3: end, he never did that before. He did talk with Paul McCartney a little bit in The Girl Is Mine, but not like the song is over and then we talk. He never did that. I, at least I don't recall him doing that. Do you recall?
0: No, I don't I don't remember any other time where he did that. It's It really, I remember when I heard that the first time, I was like, wow, I mean, he must have a lot of respect for Carlos exactly. Santana to actually thank him.
3: That's what I thought too. And then when I figured that they were not in the same section, the same place recording it, it's even more interesting because that not yeah. only means, well, Santana added the whistles himself, that was not part of the song. He just sent them. When he sent his tapes or whatever he sent, he sends whistles yes. along. <laughs> and Michael <laughs> likes it. He's like, yeah, let's put that in, right? And then they, they did more whistles to to finish it, I think. Uh, so Santana sends the whistle, sends his guitar sections. And I guess Santana just being him, you know, wanting to thank him personally or something, he also sent in the same audio. Thank you, man. Or maybe he said to oh. the people around him in the studio, hey, thank you, man, or something. And then Michael used that section to be like, okay, once he says thank you, man, I will say thank you, Carlos. That I don't think that was planned at all. It just happened. Oh. Because you could hear even you know, if you're out if you're, you're if you're an audiophile guy, if, when when Carlos Santana talks, you can hear his. And then when Michael yeah. talks, it's perfectly clear and crisp. So they put those things together.
0: Well, I tell you what. I tell you what Jason if we ever have a Teddy Riley special I'll be sure to ask him that question about how that song came together
3: please do it because i have all these theories crazy in my head and nobody answers <laughs> you know i need answers in this because otherwise i'm just making up stories but it sounds like that's what happened and as you said if he thanked him that means he really respected him and if you add yeah. the fact that if he created the thank th- the thanking part it's even more meaningful you know especially when Santana hears it, like, oh, wow, he thanked me with my own words. I mean, that's amazing. And that's just very special to me. And the fact that he did it with the Hispanic artists, and then not only that, but he accommodated Hispanic things. He didn't have to make the song Hispanic just because Santana was in it. Santana has done many songs without Hispanic music, right? Uh, Or sounds, but he accommodated the song to have the guitar and all this stuff. That was really great. So I think that song was very special to Michael. And I think it's also very special to Santana and, of course, to me and all Latin America.
0: Can you imagine if Michael had have taken the this is tour to, you know, South America and had have performed uh, whatever happens in maybe Mexico uh, or something?
3: I have imagined many things about this song. Like maybe, yeah, they performing <laughs> it together. They're making a music video about it. I would like for Santana to talk more about it, but... The only thing he has said is that. Oh no, I recorded it and I sent it. That's all. Santana has said. Okay, well that's said. that's it,
0: dude. This is your goal. This is your goal for the MJ Cast and Espanol. I wanna, I wanna see a a Santana special where you guys talk all about whatever happened. <laughs> well, I wanted to do
3: the whatever happens section part of the intro of the song, <laughs> but I, I couldn't do that. But I I was looking forward to editing the song into the show somehow. Oh, you can. Just work with Dan and, and get something together. We should at least the whistles or something, but yeah, whatever happens, definitely the service at least, and not only for the, everything that I've just said, but actually the lyrics of the songs it fits to whatever happens. Really, it could be any problem that you haven't could fit into those lyrics, <laughs> and Michael's yes. delivery is perfect as usual. So don't worry about <laughs> you know not listening to his voice. You have to listen to how he sings, but also you listen for the claps, listen for everything else I've said. But in itself, <laughs> the song. It's great, <laughs> so enjoy. It is good. Yeah, and those are my songs, Jamin. Uh, I hope I didn't bore you too much with them. Uh, There's quite a few of them, but I could have put more, believe me.
0: Great, great choices. I think we covered all bases with our with our choices. it would be really interesting to hear what our listeners also feel about uh, the most underappreciated Michael Jackson songs. So please uh, email us at themjcast at icloud.com or hit us up on our two Twitter accounts, at the MJ cast for this show, or if you want to talk to Jason directly, you can get him at, at the MJ cast ESP. I just want to thank again, uh, L Josephine for your brilliant, brilliant question that you asked us. That's so at underscore L I N A J O S E F I N if you want to follow L Josephine. So, thank you for that. We've made sure to also reach out to Q to hear what his favorite underrated. Michael Jackson songs are you can see his list up on themjcast.com on the show notes for episode 40 Uh, and also we have got an audio submission from Q just to touch base with what his number one choice is for the most underrated Michael Jackson
1: song hey ladies and gentlemen this is Q just a little vocal pickup for episode number 40 I wanted to share with you my most underappreciated, in my view, Michael Jackson track. Now, one of our listeners actually mentioned this track to me recently, and I have gone through our emails, our Facebook, our Twitter... And I'm really sorry. I cannot find anywhere who this was. Um, So whoever it was, I apologize that I cannot um, find the communication that we had regarding this track. Um, But you'll know who you are. And thank you. Because, yeah, you sort of reawakened in me. uh, Go and check this track out again. And, you know, why is this not appreciated as much as some of the others? So... Yeah, thank you, whoever you are, and maybe just give me a shout-out again so I can thank you again on the uh, social media. Um, Jamin and Jason, great episode, and I really loved your lists. Uh, they were awesome hearing uh, your thoughts about all of the songs. Uh, so I've given my list, so if you head over to the show notes for episode 40 over at the mjcast.com then you will see my list of the most underappreciated Michael Jackson songs. And my number one song, and it was a really hard choice. I could have picked so many uh, as a number one, but I've actually gone for this one. The song is You Were There, and it was part of the uh, Sammy Davis Jr. 60th anniversary special. And Michael came out and performed this song once. Only performed this song once as far as I know, It was part of the TV special only, but I think it's a song that, yeah, we sort of ignore. And I think it's an incredible track. Um, It's very similar, looking back to the Elizabeth I Love You, which you all know listening to previous episodes is one of my favorite songs um, of Michael and one of my favorite performances. Um, Very similar lyrically sort of tells the story of uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and and his sort of trailblazing in the industry. Um, But yeah, beautiful, simple lyrics. It's Michael just vocally, simply singing. It's just no real tricks or anything. It's just amazing. It's so pure and so passionate and so powerful and theatrical and just the pure essence of singing and yeah I think it's such a hidden gem so I hope maybe in the little Twitter poll that we've got going if, if you're listening to that just uh, in these days after the release um, that you vote maybe as this for You Were There as the most underappreciated song I you know if you don't even know it then that sort of shows that it's not appreciated go and check it out find it on YouTube enjoy it And uh, yeah, thank you so much. So, Jamin, Jason, you did a great episode. Jamin, thank you so much for all of your hard work while I've been incommunicado. You've been doing some incredible shows. I've been loving them as much as our listeners because I have been tuning in whenever I've had the uh, Wi-Fi to download the, the podcasts. So, thank you so much for all your hard work. And listeners, I will be back soon. Stay tuned. I will return. You haven't got rid of me that easy. And I have missed you guys. And, yeah, so I'll see you online and see you in a few episodes' time. And, yeah, vote for my song, You Were There, on the Twitter poll. All right, everyone. Thank you. And Michael on. Well, thanks for that, Q. Really
0: fascinating insights. You Were There certainly is one of the most underrated Michael Jackson songs of all time. Can't wait for you to be back, brother, hosting the MJ cast again with me soon. We might cross now to a bit of a music break. Let's do that. Ooh.
2: in my heart, every single moment that we spend apart, I need you around for every day to start, I haven't left you alone, something about you is there. Everything I'm looking for I seem to find All this dark week is killing me inside I need your love in my life Baby, nothing means anything Unless you're here to share with me I can breathe, I can breathe, I can die in my sleep Cause you're always there in my dreams So I wanna spend
1: Hi, I'm Andy Healy, author of the
3: MJ 101 series, and you're listening to the MJ cast. Jamie, do you want to compete a little bit? Sure. Why don't we post either on Twitter or Facebook uh, the ultimate one? Because you chose your ultimate. We've had enough and I chose my ultimate. Whatever
0: happens. What do people think? What do, who do people think of those two is the ultimate ultimate Underappreciated Michael Jackson song. I'll do a Twitter poll. I'll when the show goes live. I'll do a Twitter poll and me versus you. That would be great. I think <laughs> I'll win after everything I. No, explain. I'm gonna win.
3: Come on, <laughs> we've had enough, man. We've had enough of this. I don't know. Whatever happens, because a lot of if people go back and listen to it after what I've said, they'll be like, mm, "This is interesting."
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you're gonna compete in this, and if you're gonna say what's better, we've had enough, or whatever happens, you got to listen to both songs back to back. Yes, you have to. And I want. I want. Several times, and then you're going to come on and you say on our Twitter poll at the MJ Cast, what is the most underappreciated Michael Jackson song out of those two? The best one out of those two, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Jason, we've had enough going to win.
3: Well, actually, well, if you say you know, listen to the whole thing. Yeah, I I don't. It's very complicated. (laughs) I I wouldn't know
0: what to choose. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. We'll see. Vote for the best. May the best song win. All right. Ah, so Fines of the Week. Uh, Jason, do you want to kick uh, Fines of the Week off with, with uh, your pick? Sure. Um, this is a remix that I love. This is the one I listen When I want to listen to
3: Michael Jackson, uh, but I don't have the time to listen to all the albums, <laughs> right? Uh, I just put on this remix, which contains many, many of his hits and some of the underrated songs too, mixed in it. And he, this DJ was able to, you know, pass from one song to the other seamlessly. And put in bits and pieces of Michael Yells or pieces of choruses of the other songs on top of other songs. It's just really great. You gotta listen to this song. It's amazing. I really like. I discovered it by chance. I really did. And um, but it's available on SoundCloud only. Uh, There's no there's no YouTube video for it. But you can listen to it on SoundCloud on the actual DJ's website uh, there. Um, I don't think he knows me at all, and I might bring a little bit of likes to his. Uh, or they call it listens (laughs) to his page there. I hope uh, he's happy that I'm mentioning it. I hope he does not pissed off about it. Uh, But I really like his jam. I just want to tell him, (laughs) if he listens to me, hey, dude, you did a great job. Please do another one like that (laughs) because it was amazing. Great, great, great jam.
0: I'll have to have a listen to it. I haven't checked it out yet. It's called The Master Chick Jam for Michael. Cool. I also have a musical find of the week. Uh, I was looking. I was actually looking around YouTube this week, just really in the mood for Michael Jackson cover songs, uh, like different interpretations by other artists of his music. And I found one um, by an artist called Kawahi. Uh, I think that's how you say it. It's it's a cover of "The Way You Make Me Feel." Mm-hmm. And and when I first saw it pop up on my YouTube screen, I was like, okay, this is not going to be good because I've never ever 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 heard. The Way You Make Me Feel, covered well. There's been a few little official releases over the years of The Way You Make Me Feel by other artists, um, and none of them have ever worked out well. I just felt like it's this song that only Michael can sing. Um, And I was blown away and super surprised by how well... Uh, this was delivered. It's it's a great, great acapella version of the song. Um, it's it's like what we were saying before. Like, imagine if there was a Michael song where he just beatboxed and did all the instrumentation and then sung over the top of it. It's exactly like that. The video you've got to see it. It's a girl just sitting on her bed. She's got some kind of like recording device um, that she. It's kind of like a loop, like a sampler. So she she has a mic hooked up to it. So she'll she'll do a little uh, instrumental loop. She'll she'll beatbox the beat. And then loop that over and over again. And then she'll do a little bit of uh, harmonies over that. And then loop that. And then she'll do uh, mimic the sound of an instrument with her voice. And then loop that. Until she's got the whole song basically as sampled by her voice on this machine. And then she starts singing over the top of that. Uh, and it just builds and builds and builds and builds. Until the end of the song where she's just soaring. And it's it's very, very special. And I uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Right, let's take a listen. that's super special I love that and uh, props to Kawahi she's done an amazing job with that song I love it and that's our finds of the week great finds have you had have you had fun Jason recording
3: Dude, I can't believe how long it's been. I don't know how long it's been we've been recording, but uh, we thought it was going to be short. I
0: don't think it was that short. <laughs> I'm sorry, We are, exactly. We, ca- we came into this show thinking, oh, we did a five-hour one last time. This one's got to be short and sweet. It's ended up being over three hours. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm cursed. Q's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, he will kill us. <laughs> sorry. Oh. Uh, Sorry, guys. Well, I hope you got a a lot out of this show. I'm going to do just a few little thank yous now as well and also uh, our mailbag section. So I want to thank, um, in particular, somebody on Twitter uh, by the name of Ashley. So that's at MJJAEW9858. Ashley really really enjoyed your tweets lately thank you so much for engaging with us on Twitter at the MJ cast it's been great talking about different things and it's, it's it's always very special where when fans or should I say listeners um, tweet at us and uh, engage with us especially around our show content and um, of course there's so many other people I could mention um, you know like Carly and Linda and so many other people. Um, on Twitter, but but Ashley, thank you so much for your interactions recently. Um, I also want to say as well thank you to everybody who provided us feedback for episode thirty nine. Out of all the th- forty shows we've done, this this is by far the uh, show that's got the most feedback and opinions through email, website comments, and tweets. Um, you know, ninety percent of people absolutely loved the show. Hearing from Samar and also Charles and myself and, and their stories as fans. Um, I also want to thank especially the people that gave us a bit of critical feedback just around the show length. Um, that's something we always do take into account and try to work on. So thank you so much for that. Um, Stephen and Denise uh, for your comments on the website as well. Thank you. We love it when people go to the mjcast.com and and uh, post on our shows uh, to give us comments, thank you uh, Mailbag had three great emails in the last week, one went, one from Stephen Hodgson, uh, Louis LaRoche uh, from the UK and uh, Latifa Torkey uh, a listener in Saudi Arabia so thank you very much guys for your emails we're going to get back to those as soon as we can apologies that it's taking a little while Q usually handles all the emails but because he doesn't have Wi-Fi at the moment uh, he hasn't been able to do that so we'll get back to you as soon as we can uh, we also played some songs on this show uh, as well that we hope you enjoyed. At different parts of the show, you would have heard, um, well, of course, just the song recently, uh, The Way You Make Me Feel by Kawahi. Uh, we also played uh, Smooth Criminal, an a cappella cover by Juende. Uh, Man in the Mirror, a Jeremy Green's viola cover. Very, very, very cool uh, interpretation of Man in the Mirror. We played... Fall Again by Glenn Lewis, uh, the version of Michael's demo that you can also hear in the Jennifer Lopez movie Made in Manhattan. Uh, Great music on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you get involved in our Twitter poll, Jason versus Jamin. Uh, We've had enough versus whatever happens. Can I vote? (laughs) May the best song win. (laughs) You can. We've got to vote for our... Just like politicians, we've got to vote for our own... um, Mm. Our own song. So, yeah. Uh, Episode 40 of the MJ cast, In The Bag. Unfortunate that Q couldn't be here again, but please stay tuned. Q will be back. The host with the most will be back in just a few episodes' time. Look, I'm looking at our, our show list for the upcoming the MJ cast episodes taking us out to the end of 2016. And we have got some incredibly exciting shows. Episode 41 is going to be something a little bit different, something we've never done before. Uh, it's taken a lot of planning and, I, and uh, I'm not going to reveal too much. That's going to be good. We've got three specials uh, planned with different people that knew or worked with Michael Jackson coming up to finish the year out. Hopefully they do happen. They all depend as well around the availability of uh, different guests. Um, and some... Uh, Some uh, other regular episodes that we're putting some plans into. It should be lots of fun. Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about the MJ Cast in Espanol?
3: The MJ Cast in Espanol is growing, is growing. It's a little baby that keeps growing, and we're very happy (laughs) to see all the shares on Facebook. People have. Send us some messages that are really that really break my heart. Like, oh, I can't believe that people take the time to write these kind of things. It's just really grateful for everybody over there in Spanish that are sending us their thoughts. I, I should translate to you, Jamin, what they're sending to us. Because it's beautiful, beautiful stuff that I would have never thought that, you know, people take the time to do that. It's, it's great stuff. The girls... You know, if I get emotional, the girls, believe me, <laughs> they're over the heads with that. <laughs> um, thank you to blusa Way that it was part of the show. She's very knowledgeable, and I hope she's back soon to help us out with the show. Uh, I want to thank you for, you know, expanding this show to really making it bigger and, and going all the way to the Spanish listeners. And as I said before, without the MJ cast, uh, I wouldn't have been able to buy my ticket to travel and, and see a <laughs> Michael Jackson engineer. So it is great crazy stuff that is going on we're growing growing getting better and better and uh it's just the next episode just gotta listen go over there thank you for everything and i want to thank you also whatever he's at if whenever he listens to me and thanks to the girls i really have grown to appreciate their knowledge and, and really like them and consider them now my mj friends thank you to sandra and Natalie.:
0: and how do people connect with you on social media or subscribe to the show you got to go to our Twitter account. It's at the MJCastesp.
3: Most of the networks are the same as you guys. So it's just the MJCast at the end. And you can always find it in the show notes at the very, at the very bottom on the page.
0: Pretty much the same as all of us. Like Our accounts are the same except uh, the Twitter account, which you just said. is the only different one. Um, and then, of course, the website is the MJCast.com slash Espanol. Mm-hmm. And you can shoot us an email at the MJCast at Exactly. And guys, if you want to find us as well, it's all the same. So we're at the MJcast.com, Twitter at themjcast, Facebook at themjcast, Instagram at themjcast. Uh, look, we're on YouTube at youtube.com slash plus themjcast. Unfortunately, we haven't had any shows go up on YouTube lately. That's due to a bit of an error on my computer. It's a technical problem that I'm trying to overcome uh, just with the latest software of mac os won't let me do any iMovie stuff bit of a bug in the system but we'll be getting over that soon and putting shows back up on youtube we're at the mjcast.tumblr.com and if you want to email us the mjcast at icloud.com uh, guys we hope you've enjoyed episode 40 i've had so much fun recording with jason garcia host of the mjcast En Espanol, along with sandra and ale and i can't wait for their next episode as well Uh, Guys, I hope you have a really fun fortnight ahead. Tune in in two weeks' time for a very interesting, unique episode of the MJ cast that's taken a lot of planning Mm. and we'll have a lot of participants and it's going to be a lot of fun.
3: Awesome. Um,
0: Yeah, we'll see you in two weeks' time. Uh, Until then, keep michael Michael on. Um speaking of megamixes, what do you what do you think of uh, the official Mega Mix, the uh, immortal soundtrack? The Immortal soundtrack. Uh I never I, I, with the Billy Jean section? Just the whole thing. Like, I mean the whole thing is basically a an album long a mega mix of all these mm, different songs. I don't really listen do to it. Do you like it? No. Yeah. N- I'm not I mean,
3: they if you have Michael Jackson's vocals, you have everything at your disposal,
0: I don't think you could they could have done something better than that cuz you went to the show hey i mean there's photos of you there with your wife yeah
3: yeah i went to the show uh, i really enjoy the show uh it's just for the album version i think they could have done better the only song i really yeah. enjoy from that though is the they don't they don't really care about us that is my oh cuz it's got
0: the unreleased uh yes jam, jam i love chorus, the chance
3: yeah. i love the way it sounds but but it bothers me that at the beginning it starts with a very loud noise so i wish mm. they do i could cut that and then listen to the actual song because that loud noise is, is annoying to me uh but other than that yeah i think the other song where he's singing by himself when he's a baby when he's, when he's a kid uh, which one is it is it ben
0: i think it's i haven't listened to it in forever so i can't really remember it might be ben yeah
3: yeah that one with just the guitar and that was pretty sweet uh, i really enjoyed that one too but other than that i don't really i don't really listen to to that album to be honest
0: with you. I should I should give it another go because it's been so long since I've... I remember the first time I, I listened to it, I didn't like how they connected a lot of the songs. They just had this big whoosh kind of sound mm-hmm. between a lot of the different songs. It wasn't... Uh, a lot of the other albums I've listened to in a similar style, like The Beatles' Love or... You know, maybe records by bands like the Avalanches that mix a lot of different songs together are very organic and that's done very naturally. And like you might have a little element from one song blending into another. Mm. And before you know it, you're in a totally different song. But um, I found the transitions between the songs on the Immortal album to be very sudden and very sharp and a bit disjointed. Right. Um, Which is strange because they, I mean, all the documentaries that came out around the creation of the album before it came out, they had Kevin Antunes working on it and and uh Greg Fillon gains and and people that had access to all these a cappella vocals I th- you'd think they would have done a little bit more I don't know maybe it was rushed, who knows, but Yeah, maybe. Um,
3: uh especially yeah that the Billy Jean, I wouldn't have mixed Billie Jean with Can You Feel It or Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Uh and Yeah. I wouldn't have done not the way they did it. Maybe I don't really know what I would have done as a DJ. I'm not a DJ, but it just doesn't sound like it goes together like that. Yeah, yeah like what what does yeah. can you feel it have to do with Billie Jean i mean that's completely opposite lyrics and i don't know i really don't understand i need
0: to go back and listen to it again because it's a definitely a very bold sort of project to try and do so yeah it's been a long time since i've i've listened to it i know Q loves it oh <laughs> he does he wants the other one but i think i i think he prefers the one soundtrack i think he he wants that really badly
3: mm, yeah he he does um yeah. Then they also did is it scary with Threaten, which is fine because it's the same theme but then you should put th- ghost yeah. and and thriller in there right but they're not they're not together.
0: They they need to do a Halloween mega mix. There's so many little things they could include like uh things from um you know if they got the laugh from off the the off the wall song the creepy lady laugh at the at the start. Mm. Um and you know what about and and so, like horror songs that Michael was on from other artists like uh somebody's what what's it called somebody's watching me? Yeah. By Rockwell Like they could get that Mm. Um, Or one from the Jackson
3: 5 One Place Hotel Oh, This Place Hotel Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, This Place Hotel It's kind of crazy. Exactly And there's actually um, Unreleased horror songs too Like there's a real version of Monster They could put some of that on (laughs) There's a real Um, version of Monster There's a real version of Monster, buddy you got it (laughs) I'm serious (laughs) (laughs) I can't say too much more about it But ask ask Brad Sunderberg Ask him to tell you about the real Monster Oh, okay,
3: (laughs) good, great um, yeah, they, yeah, they
0: could do a Halloween special, definitely. And it's coming up right now, so why not? Please do it. It's around the corner. So you guys have got to think about like, what, what's the MJ Castor Spaniel going to do for your Halloween? Ooh,
3: I might make my <laughs> own mega mix.
0: The Day of the Dead special.
3: I should do my own mega mix.
0: You should do a, do a Jason a Halloween mega mix. I'm,
3: I'm going to try. I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, don't you think even Dangerous could go into that spooky kind of section?
0: Dangerous could, because and, and even maybe Blood on the death Floor. There's a lot of things you could take and put in there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You
0: could. You could be very creative with it. Threatened. Um, and that other section, you know, you know,
3: from Vincent Price, that was never... Well, it was not released? Uh, it was released, but uh, not on a song, I think.
0: That's right. It came out on Thriller 25, I think.
3: Yeah, and they put it in, into the movie. I so thought that was pretty cool but I'm not sure. Sh- I'm telling you,
0: man, you, you, you're onto something really good here. Like there's so, you could take bits of the movie ghosts and put it in. Um, there's oh, maybe some sound effects or from th- the thriller, m- the the movie, like some of the, 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 the dialogue. There's so much that could be done um, as a project for the ultimate Michael Jackson, Halloween mega mix. And nobody's attempted it. It's such a, it's like an, it's like a little undiscovered, gem of opportunity that somebody has to jump on
3: i agree completely
0: the mj cast